And now it's time to bait our hooks, cast our nets, drop our poles in the water, and fish for some jokes with Down on the Dock. Yeah, we're back. <laughs> uh, episode 60, Dave. Welcome yep. back. Guys, welcome to Down on the Docks. My name's Chris Neff, and I'm joined as always by my uh, podcasting producing partner, Dave Sarah. How are you, buddy? What's up, pussies? I don't know. I kind of liked it when you just said hello. Yeah. Uh, hello. A lot, a lot of people are uh, on the Discord That's... hotly debating if that is a statement or a fact when you say that. So I'm going to just go ahead and say it's a statement. Here's the thing. That's Earl Skakel's thing. Hello. I think it's your statement. Um, I think Hello. it's your mission statement. So we're just going to call, okay. call it that for now. Sure. So um, here's the thing. Um, if you're just joining us, we are getting ready to dive into part two of a podcast we started last week entitled Searching for Sugar Man. Yeah. So if this is the first podcast you've ever listened to, hit the fucking uh, reverse uh, button and go back to episode 59. Um, if you are just discovering us for the first time, we need help. We always do. Dave, tell them what they can do to help out around here at Down on the Docks. Guys, I'm going to lose my job unless you go to Apple right now and leave a five-star review. That tell says me you my, suck. Tell me my balls <laughs> smell. Bash me. Do whatever you need to do in there. But get there. Also, you can even go to Spotify, leave an episode. We'll review it and... Uh, we have to post it. But if you're feeling saucy and you want to see all the great memes before they hit the market, yes. you can get to the Discord channel. There were so many memes this week. I missed uh, RSB68's meme, and I posted it late this week. So Darn my it. apologies there. More importantly, we'll Dave, out. where do they go if they want uh, to follow us on the social media? Social media? Um, you go to Down on the Docks on Twitter, Down on the Docks Pod on Instagram, and if you want to send us an email, which you obviously do, send us an email at downonthedocks at gmail.com. Send us a review. If you don't want to come to the Discord channel, tell us that you've seen a documentary that we have to see it, yes. or at least Chris has to see it, and, yes. and I have to sit through this pain. But uh, go ahead and do that, and you know, yeah. send, okay. me, send, send me Venmo me. That's how you can help. Oh, okay. Venmo me. So you're Dash Sarah, S A R A, on Venmo. The last four digits of my cell phone number are 0288, unless it asks you. Perfect. I'm going to Skankfest this weekend. You know what I'm doing? I'm putting all my money that Gavin Newsom is the, okay, is the Democratic. Oh, okay. You're is the Democrat. I'm going to make a bet that yeah. Gavin Newsom is on the ballot for the Democrats in the coming election. As the VP or the president? As president. Okay, so uh, go ahead and send me all of your money. I'd be happy to take it because that's not going to happen. It's it's Dude, he's going to debate Ron DeSantis. Okay, well, you know what? Um, Take that to your Twitch stream because that's not this show. (laughs) Okay, so let's get back into Down on the Docks, uh, episode two. Uh, part two, I should say, episode 60 of Searching for Sugar Man. Now, if you recall, Dave, um, where we left off is we had two South African fans of uh, Rodriguez, uh, specifically Stephen Sugar Siegerman, the record store yes. owner, and then yes. uh, a reporter by the name of Craig Bartholomew Stridum. Yes. And they dug and dug 
and they manage to track Rodriguez down to, uh, and find out he's alive in right. the United States. And right. they make contact with his daughter. Right. Remember they put him on the back of a milk carton? Yes. Okay. It so, does work. So let me tell you something, Chris. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I've, been, I've, I've become a little obsessed with uh, the song Sugar Man. Not because oh, it has the word cocaine last in last week? Just from hearing it yeah. and really liking the melody and the simplicity, yeah. like we were saying, yeah. and all of his other songs... Yeah. Not as good, but I liked Sugar Man a lot. Go listen to Cause, And that hook bro. is wonderful. Yes. Um, so, obviously, when you said that he was alive still, yeah. I went in back just to see if there's any live performances of him singing Sugar Man, and right. there are. Right. I actually found a couple good covers. See, I haven't listened to him yet. Can you tell our listeners where to go to find this live action? Okay, you go to dot com. It's YouTube.com, yeah. and you type in Sugar Man. Yep. Rodriguez, yeah. it comes up. Comes up easy. Yeah, it's right there. Now, was that from one of his performances in Australia? As, early, as late as, I mean, there's a, I saw the, I saw the South Africa performance yeah. from 1998 or yeah. something, his return. Yes. And like the whole crowd is singing his fucking Don't song. Don't say anything. We're going to get to that. Okay, okay great. Yeah, but yeah, hold on. It's a very fun part. But also, uh, I, you know, there's like, you know, he, in like 20, you know, 2012 or 13, like he yeah. did like a tour. Yeah, I'm gonna talk kind of, about all that later. Right, and then but so like in tw- I saw I saw one. The most recent one I saw was I think from 2018. Okay, and he just kind of looks pretty old and decrepit, and just kind of said, yeah, yeah. Sugar he looks man. a lot older than yeah. I thought he would. Yeah, look. yeah, yeah. Now here's the you thing, know what he Dave. looks like. He looks like Edward James almost. Sort he of. does. Like from Stand and Deliver. Now here's the thing, Dave. Um, my mom religiously listens to the podcast. Your right. mom does not because no. she's garbage. She's uh, she's a foreigner. <laughs> we hate foreigners. <laughs> yeah. My mom uh, supports every episode. She uh, texted me today and she goes, I love uh, the podcast. Uh, I love his story. But she goes, not history. Not his so story. much. <laughs> she's like, I, I just, I don't. It's not connecting. It's not for me. The huh. word she used was doesn't flip my skirt. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine your mom ever saying those words about a musician? Yeah. <laughs> My mom's cool, Dave. Yeah, your mom is cool. But she was like, I, I don't see the Dylan thing either. And I disagree with her on that. And uh, that'll just have to be the way it is. Because I think his music is fantastic. Yeah. And interestingly enough. Maybe it's not. Did she, is she a Bob Dylan fan? Probably not. Uh, oh, she loves Bob. Interesting. Here's the here's an interesting thing. I was talking to my brother-in-law, who's been a professional mus- musician since 1959 okay uh or probably earlier but remember how we were talking about how rodriguez made all this music and then never knew he made any money right same thing happened to him i told him about rodriguez he's like i don't know who rodriguez is he said let me tell you a story well in 1959 he cut uh cut uh, a track called rampage and it was done in mono they did three takes of it in boise idaho and somebody used for something no somebody sent it down to california huh. and uh a, re- uh a record label heard it and they're like oh this is going to be a hit now back then they did what are called 45s they press 45s right. you know yep. you have your a side your b side they press five thousand copies okay they sent them to all the radio stations and uh they they started getting play so then the manager gets a call and says we need to order a hundred thousand more copies so they're like, oh, this is awesome. We're going to have 100,000 copies out there. Wow. So then they come to find out the manager who sold the initial 5,000, he took the money and ran 
and didn't send the money to make the additional hundred. No way. Yes. Now here's the thing. Whoa. So that's fucked. My man. brother-in-law Terry. I was like, so you know, what did you do? And he Terry, goes, Terry, he's got a dude and a girl's name. <laughs> he was like, I just, you know, there's nothing I could do. So he told me that he did some digging in the last couple months, and he found his original single, no Rampage, Rampage, in Europe. On you know, remember how Time Life books or Time Life music would be like hits of the fifties, dude. That's so crazy to me that you have a brother-in-law that uh-huh. had a hit song in '59. Well, he's older than me <clears throat> by a little bit. <laughs> Fuck off. So anyway. Um, this song Rampage. Yeah, I said, "Well, I want to hear it." Yeah, and he goes, "Well, well, you're gonna pay have me." To, he goes, "You're gonna have to pay twenty bucks because that's what they wanted for me to download it." No, and I was like, "You got to be fucking kidding me!" Anyway, twenty bucks. Yeah, but Jesus. It, remember, you're probably too old for this. Is it for the whole album? No, just, just the one song. song because it's recorded from a forty-five. Or I don't 50, know. 40, okay, somebody has it and they've been that's hilarious. putting it out on compilation albums like oh, Sounds of the Fifties. Oh, oh, sorry. Okay, so you right. remember watching television right, 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 of course, late at right. night and they'd be like, "Don't five you just albums, yes. fifty thousand songs on forty-five thousand albums?" So that happened to him, but in Europe only. So oh, forty five thousand CDs are that, only five thousand copies were ever printed. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, he told me that. So he's been making a dough. So so he never got a dime. None of his bandmates. God damn it. Yeah. Anyway, let's yeah, push copyright on. copyright laws in other countries. They don't not the same. Hey, they don't even exist barely for stand up comedy. You well, no, I mean? yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, here's what I'll really, tell you: this. like, what would happen if I just came out and just did killing him softly, like from Chappelle? If I just made an album. That, you, that was that was me doing Chappelle. You want me to tell you? Yeah. You get murdered. Because no, no, but, no, but no, it's no, not no, illegal. Ex- I know, because I'm going to explain to you how okay. comedy works. Okay, okay. Comedians have to take care of each other when this happens, and it's happened to me once, and it ha- Byron Allen, uh, it, dude, it was word for word. And I don't know if you know my material. I know Byron Allen. You do. I do. It's tough to rip me off because I write bits. They're very specific. Sure. It's t- if you write in your own voice well enough, it's almost yeah. impossible to get ripped off. Now, if you're th- coming up with a joke that you think is amazing, and then you go on Twitter, and 500 people made the same joke, right. it's not a great joke. No. So I remember, You're not making memes. Those I rem- are some great tweets, but you don't write tweets. And I know... Still haven't seen you bomb yet. I, uh, thank you. You know why I don't tweet too much? It's because, because I'm working on this, yeah, and I'm working, working on, on my shit. own stand-up on this good side. Shit, yeah. I got shit to do. Yeah. The point is, I remember... I'm here writing, Ugh, all the great hackers are women because they're the most evolved form of a secretary. Ugh, good. Anyway, I remember hearing some... Hacky shit. I remember hearing Byron Allen do a bit I wrote, and it was very. It was just too specific because it wasn't like a 10-second like a, a ten, ten joke. Right. It was a four-minute bit. And back in the day, he had that show Comics Unleashed, yeah. And then I thought about it. Back then, you would see, and this is very common, it's always happened. There are thousands of comic writers yeah. who sit in the back of stand up clubs oh, looking yeah. for ideas. And I Robin can, Williams, exactly. Yes, he didn't write yes, it. He just yes. went up there and did it. Yes. And then, oh, and he'd be too coked out. And then he'd be like, hey, Robin, you took that bit from me. Oh, here's $500. Here's okay. And, and, I, okay. and I will say this. I know some very At least he paid. close people that were close to Robin. He always paid. If you went up to him and said, that's my joke, he would pay out. <laughs> and he wouldn't even know. No, no. Towards the end of his career, they were saying he was just like looking out windows and like. Yeah. Anyway, we got to get back to the story. Yeah. Um, so anyway, jumpers, coke, sweet Mary Jane, uh, silver magic ships you carry. We'll get to that debate gonna, later yeah, in the show. To the debate. Okay, so back to the show. They've contacted um, uh, Rodriguez, 
And Stephen Sugar Siegerman says, we'd found out that he was alive. And um, I'd spoken to Craig. This is Craig Bartholomew, who was on the scene. And he says, I came to work and Alex McCrindle was a guy I worked with from the website. And he said, you're not going to believe what's on the website. And on the website, there's a forum where people could post messages. And there was a message that said, my name's Eva. I'm Rodriguez's daughter. Wow. So she leaves a phone number and he's like, can I speak to somebody? And he calls her and um, he said, hi, I'm Sugar. Because you got to remember, that's his nickname too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she said, I'm Eva. And then they had this amazing conversation and she explained to uh, Sugar um, who her father was and what he'd done and where he'd been and what he'd been through. And she asked him um, how I got the name Sugar. And, you know, she was, he was like, that's just my nickname, you know, yeah. because I'm Seegerman yeah. and he's the Sugar Man. I, I raised you by <laughs> dealing cocaine. Anyway, he, he wants to talk to her and she manages to put him in touch with the great Rodriguez. And he calls up one night and he says, hello. And he says, is this Sugar? And he said, I immediately knew he was alive. And I was talking to Rodriguez because I could tell by the sound of his voice. Yeah. And he describes this. (laughs) We have a contender for Valley Uprising, dude. Oh, you think you're going to watch this? I mean, I've been been enjoying it. He says it was Uh, the Most downloads of the week. Most downloads of the month, this show. He says, that was the greatest, one of the greatest moments of my life. Sandriven Lullaby is what you just listened to there. Mm, now, when beautiful. we hear, hear this music... Did he play the violin? No, that was just uh, one of his tracks. Okay. So when you hear this music, we are finally introduced to the great Rodriguez. Wow. And he's in his house. Oh, so he's in the documentary. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We see him in front of his house. Sure. It's the same one that was on the cover of Coming to Reality. No, the shitty one? Oh. And then he, no the camera pans way. to the side of the house, and you see a window come up, and he sticks his head out. That's how he gets to give the interview. That's no, that's how he's introduced in the film. Okay, so yes, now we have the interview. Sit down with him. <laughs> cool. Did he get paid for the interview? <laughs> no. no, we're gonna get to money. Okay. So just so you know, I'd per- been pronouncing uh, his name wrong. It's ceased to. Sistu. It's spelled six two. Yeah, yeah. But pronounced Sistu. Sistu. Sistu Rodriguez. So the Sistu. interview, Sistu. and they never Sistu. say who the interviewer is. I'm assuming, I thought it was Craig, 
But I think it's what just year, the director. What year is the it was when the documentary is being yeah, made? Yeah, yeah. 2011. Pretty, 2012. I'm pretty sure it's the director. So um, Sisto says, whenever you're ready. And the interview says, okay. And Sisto says, oh, by the way, this man, he looks very Native American. Um, definitely looks like he's lived a, a hard life. He's frail. He's kind of pock-faced a little bit, too. Yeah, he's, he's weather-worn. He's lived life, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and that's why this is yeah. so fascinating. And again, there's nothing fancy in this house. He's literally on the edge of a bed. You know, at one point, right. you see him, like, stoking uh, a fire, like a wood-burning stove right. in this one bedroom. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a little depressing, to be honest. Yeah, anyway, yeah. he says, should I be doing something while we're doing this interview? Should I have a glass of water? or something no, it's autistic like, too huh <laughs> <laughs> great and and the interviewer's like yeah do you want one he's like yeah i like that and then we just watch him drink water <laughs> i'm not kidding there's like a long shot of him just drinking water and then um he's like so run the question to me again just so i can hear it in my head this is exactly how i want my artists to be your what my artists oh okay just don't know what's going on yeah broke yeah fucking like they don't ask them why you made the song or yeah. what's in the song, the yeah, meaning yeah, yeah, behind yeah. it. It's sometimes a very literal it's uh and I, I'm not saying that he's not a prolific or a good writer. That's not what I mean. It's just yeah. like sometimes this, the, the, the more simple minded you are. Yeah. The I don't, better the shit. You're I don't comes, think comes he's out. simple minded. No, no, I think that's you not, might be, you know what I mean? Wrong. You yeah, know yeah. what I mean? Well, the interviewer says, in the 70s and 80s, did you ever get any contact from South Africa? And uh, Rodriguez says, no, I didn't. Maybe they didn't have a contact number or something, but no, I didn't. And he's like, well, how does that make you feel? You weren't aware of something that would have completely changed your life? I mean, probably to the better. And he says, well, I don't know if it would have been for the better, but that's certainly a thought. Now, I've been fascinated by this line. Because I have this theory that certain artists, probably me, it's probably how I rationalize my failure in life. Sure. We're not given the success we think we deserve mm -hmm. because we couldn't have handled it. And we probably, it would have been detrimental to our lives in one way or another. Yeah. So sometimes I think about that. Sure. And I could see you being in, I could see you, Meg. If you were Ari <laughs> Shafir right now, you'd be dead. Oh, just worse. Yeah. 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 Um, well, the interviewer says, but wouldn't it have been nice to know you were a superstar? And he says, I... Yeah, you'd be Jason Rouse, which is worse. <laughs> just joking. <laughs> he says, I don't know how to respond to that. Uh. Well, after coming from reality, did you want to continue making albums? I would have liked to have continued, but nothing beats reality. So I pretty much just went back to work. Well, what did you do? Well, I do hired labor, demolition, renovation of buildings, of homes, you know, restoration. Did you enjoy that? I do. It keeps the blood circulating, keeps you fit. Yeah. But it's far away from music. Oh, yeah, quite a bit. Quite, quite a different <laughs> contrast. Yeah. Quite a different contrast. <laughs> did you continue making music on your own? I do. I play guitar. I love playing guitar, uh, but I do love to listen. I like to see the shows and things, but I do get about.
So what do you think of Street Boy, Dave? Great song. Yeah. I've been so, listening to it all week. So we see this. Yeah. Uh, I should say we hear this as we see him walking down uh, the streets of Detroit, and it's miserable. S- yeah, snowy. Oh, dude. I've he never looks seen, like he's all bundled up. Yeah, he's he's moving slow. And here's the thing. I've never seen a good picture of Detroit ever. Uh, in, Except for when there's snow cover. No, I mean, it's, 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 it's always miserable in every yeah, movie yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah. And this is just the epitome of, you know. Imagine you go there, it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till I tell you how much you bought his it's house. like Wakanda. For. Uh, well, how much did he bought his house for? Can I take a guess? You could take an over under right now on uh, ten thousand dollars. Slightly over. Okay, so we'll get to that later. Okay, so obviously it's gonna be under. Well, because we'll I was to gonna say thirty five thousand, but like, because that's how much my aunt's house went for. Yeah, in like sixty three, I think. Okay, well, we wait till you find out. Yeah. So we meet his youngest daughter, Reagan Rodriguez, and she says he never said anything about being disappointed. He would just move on, continue to survive, because you just can't give up. Well, what did he do instead? Well, he read. uh, He got into politics, uh, the community. uh, He'd attend protests and rallies, causes he believed in. He'd take us along. He was always a proponent of working for the people that maybe didn't have a voice and didn't have a chance to speak up, the working class, the working poor. He had a lot of experience in that area. Well, it's time to meet a gentleman by the name of Rick Emerson, one of Rodriguez's colleagues in uh, construction work. And he says he approached the work from a different place than most people do. He took it seriously, sort of like a sacrament, you know? He was going to do this dirty, dirty work for eight to 10 hours, okay? Yeah. But he was dressed in a tuxedo. Now, I don't know if he means that literally. No. Of course, I, he couldn't, right? I don't think so. He had this kind I of... I mean, maybe, honestly. <laughs> <coughs> the, no, I, actually, if you're fucking... Every single picture you see from him back in the day, he's wearing yeah. like he's wearing like a suit. He's wearing like a jacket, slacks, shirt, and dress shoes. I think he, he he's not being literal. I know that, but like maybe he just means that like he was wearing... I don't know. He says he had this kind of magical quality that all genuine poets and artists have. To elevate things, <laughs> to get above the mundane, the prosaic, all the bullshit, all the mediocrity that's everywhere. Is that where Prozac comes from? No. Like Pro- the word prosaic? Prosaic comes- just means commonplace. Oh. Okay. I thought it meant, oh, okay. To my knowledge. I thought prosaic meant above no, commonplace. No, no, no. Okay. No. Uh, and, he, uh, and he just had to keep finding a place, refining the process of how to apply himself. 
he knew that there was something more. It was in the early 80s. He wanted to do something, something righteous, make a difference. So lo and behold, he told me that he was going to run for mayor. And I thought, well, God bless you, Rodriguez. You know, if you can become mayor of Detroit, then anything is possible. Now, we wow. know that's not possible after listening to White Boy Rick, okay? Because you got to deal with Gil Hill. Yeah, Don't yeah. waste my motherfucking time, <laughs> Axel Foley. I remember that shit, actually. That's hilarious. Yeah, and of course, they're all corrupt as fuck and, you know, uh, degenerate scumbags. Met a girl from Devon early. She found this morning, Colfax. Asked about the bag, suburb, you're such a drag. Don't go back. Cause Papa don't allow no new ideas here. That was Inner City Blues. From 1970, uh, Cold Fact. Of course, you can see where uh, the title comes from. Um, well, back to Reagan. She uh, shows off some of Rodriguez's um, old stuff, and we see a bumper sticker from when he ran from city council. Uh, wow, bu- so he actually did run from city Oh, yeah. In what year? Um, they don't say. Okay. It was. We see copies of the ballot. Uh, they spelled his name wrong on the ballot. Uh, what is his first? They wrote Sisto? No, they did the Q instead of the G in Rodriguez. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, she says... Rodriguez? He was number 139 of 169 candidates and nine got elected. Well, Eva, this is his <laughs> eldest daughter. That's so fucked. She kind of fills us in on the family history and you know says the relatives on uh, my mother's side are European and Native American. And my father's family is Mexican. So we can see that that history. He's like a fucking true American. Yeah, but he looks extremely uh, Hispanic or Native American. Totally. But he's got that, like, he's got that hair, Mm -hmm. sort of, that looks looks a little Indian. Yeah. Native American. Grandfather from Mexico. He kind of has that lean body, too. Absolutely. Those guys will never put on a pound of weight. So crazy. Yeah. Until they. Put down a fifth of vodka a day. Yeah. I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> uh, You're I, Cherokee, right? I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> nothing like a good Indian drinking joke, Dave. Um, the, the Mexicans came to Detroit to work in the auto factories. And she says, we're, we were working class people, blue collar, um, hard labor. And we lived in 26 different homes, and some houses didn't have bedrooms. Some houses didn't have bathrooms, and they weren't homes. They were just places we lived. But just because people are poor or have little doesn't mean that, you know, their dreams aren't big and their soul isn't rich. And that's where the classes and the prejudice come from, is that there is a difference between you and me, and there's a difference between them and us. I've played faggot bars, hooker bars, motorcycle funerals In opera houses, concert halls, halfway houses Well, I found in all these places that I've played All the people that I've played for, the same people so if you listen, maybe you'll see someone you know in this song. <laughs> A most disgusting song. Pretty good. Faggot yeah. bars, right? <laughs> we're, we're in the city of them. 
Um, yeah, I can relate to this. Not just faggot bars, but you know, hooker bars, yep. motorcycle funerals. I've played yep. funerals, dude. Some of the, you've done funerals. I did a funeral once, a comedy show at a funeral. Yes, um, wow. I'll never forget. And it was for a motorcycle gang, so I can yeah, really I, relate I can to see this. how they. I can see how they can but, get drunk and fuck. Well, you know what it was is um, it was the San Fernando Vagos, and um, I get a call and they're like, "Hey, we perform," and I'm like, "Yeah, that's hilarious." And I get there. And then the MC drops out. So I have to MC and perform later in the show. And I'll never forget, a guy goes up on stage. And this is a, a very well-known guy in the, the San Fernando Valley. And somebody says, uh, all right, here, here to Manfred. And then they all drink and they all start crying. And they're literally like, here's Chris with the comedy, everybody. Oh, fuck <laughs> me. I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. Very quickly about the Vagos. Yeah. They kicked a ta tattoo parlor out of... El Monte, South El Monte, when I was working uh, for a machinery company over there, right? Because they used the dark green or light green in their tile in their sign, uh -huh. so they came and literally bashed, their, fucked up the store every single time. It, it really? Was into, and then turf, bro. And then a couple years later, I'm driving through South El Monte with my coworkers getting lunch, and there's a girl. There's a probably a middle-aged Mexican lady with like four kids in her car driving this beat ass fucking fiesta. That's like aqua green, like the color of the Vagos and this lone Vagos patch and all is harassing this lady hitting her window as he's driving the color of her car, literally because of the color of the car and because she doesn't have a sticker. Yeah. On, the, on her car that says Vagos because they have these stickers. If you wear, if you have that color, yeah, you better have that sticker on yeah, it, yeah, or yeah. you're gonna get it's green. It's it's like a dark yeah. to aqua green kind yeah, of yeah. a thing. Yep, crazy dude. Well, Reagan says I'm a Mongol kind of guy. He wasn't just friends with the Mongols. <laughs> I've never worked for the Mongols. He wasn't just doing your average car buy drugs from them. Um, he was really cleaning out the house, and I mean doing work nobody wanted to do. Um, he would come home, he'd be covered in dust and dirt, paint chips and long days. She said, I saw him take refrigerators down on his back downstairs and it was just a regular day of work for him. But I knew it was harder work than most other fathers that I knew. Well, we also meet his middle daughter, Sandra. And she says, it's a city that tells you not to dream big, not to expect anything more. But he always took me to places that only certain elite people would go to. So he instilled in me, I can go wherever I want, regardless of what my bank statement says. So that's kind of how he was, you know? He showed me the top floors of places. And I said, I am just as good as they are, you know? Well, Eva says he was a philosophy major um, and he exposed them to the arts. They t he'd take them to libraries and museums and science centers. And that was their daycare. And of course, they toured halls of museums, saw Diego Rivera, Picasso, Delacroix. And we began to learn life outside of the city. And that's in books and music and paintings. The judges with meter made hearts order supermarket justice starts. Frozen children in their city. Walkers in the paper rain, waiting for those nights that never came. The hijack trying so hard to be pretty. 
rains tap Dude. at my window Winds of my thoughts passing by She laughed when I tried to tell her Hello only ends in goodbye That was Lifestyles from 1971. Pretty powerful song. Dude, great song. Look, I was trying to think of what band reminded me of his voice a lot. Uh-huh. And right there. Pud- Puddle of Mud? No. <laughs> Man. But just as gay, placebo. Okay. I got a big placebo vibe from that, which doesn't mean that, obviously. I'm not uh-huh. saying, I'm saying that placebo must have been heavily influenced uh-huh. by that because he's got the same like twang to him, sort of. Yeah, he but, does. I mean, I'm sure a lot of these like hardcore musicians, they've heard of Rodriguez. Uh, I, I, I hope a lot more people find out about him. Mm-hmm. And I, this is, this is the, the intersection of art and commerce. And it's a tale as old as time. Yeah. I've seen amazingly talented people um, get passed over and more importantly, face an economic wall and make hard decisions and not be able to pursue their art. But you have to respect what he did put out. And more importantly, you have to respect the perseverance to keep going yeah. through this because it was obviously the love of his life, his passion. Right. Uh, now all art is just money laundering. <laughs> well, he says, I started playing Especially when I was in modern art. I was 16. And the thing is, there was a family guitar, and I played a lot of bars in the city and clubs in the city, small rooms. Well, I met Mike Theodore and Dennis Coffey, and they came into the club to see me play. I had a gig at a place called The Sewer. He references The Sewer in a few songs, uh, right out of uh, right by the Detroit River. And then we got a record deal from Clarence Avant, and that's how the whole thing started. But all those early years were, you know, out of work. I was at a Chrysler plant called Dodge Main. I also worked at Eldon and Lynch Road in Detroit. I worked in the heat treat department, stuff like that. A lot of heavy labor. But it was a good year for me, this cold fact thing. I had achieved what I was trying to do uh, to get a product, you know, and it was going very well. I thought, you know, how did it feel? A great feeling of accomplishment, actualization. Um, The interviewer says, did you believe that it was a good album? And he says... Um, I did my best with it. Yeah. The reviews were good there must on have it. There's been so much saturation of that type of music too around that time. I mean, you know, late late 60s, early 70s. But it's good stuff. Yeah. It's um, good stuff. He says, I thought it was good. He's got a couple really crazy hits that like are going to now stay with me forever. Uh, I mean, Sugar Man is one of them. Yeah, like, it's, yeah. I'm never going to forget that that hook. Yeah, I had We co- got to get into this debate soon too. I had cause on repeat uh, last week for uh, a good four times in a row. That hook is just so good. But he says, I'm not the one to ask. And that question to, but you go ahead. Yeah. Well, the interviewer says, were you surprised that it didn't sell? Was I surprised? It's the music business. There's no guarantees, you know? Yeah. This is a guy who's like sat there without headphones in his head, hacking away at rock or dirt yeah. for hours at a time. Basically grave digging. And and just thinking about this stuff forever. Yeah. Year after year after year after year. And finally this guy comes and he can just simply and eloquently just put it like, like in a very and like 
You show up to this guy's house, it's probably worth $8,000. Sometimes things don't work out, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you have to admire the fact that he kept his family together. He was a good father. Um, well, Stephen Sugar Siegerman, uh, he's back, and he says, so I told him you're bigger than Elvis. Okay, do you realize that? Like in South Africa? Yeah. What do you mean? He's like the South African of Elvis. <laughs> I mean, really? He says... In South Africa, you are more popular than Elvis Presley. That's hilarious. And there was this pause, and I sensed he thought it was a crank call, and he was going to hang up. So I said, listen, wait, 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 wait. I promise you, just come here. You won't be disappointed. Well, back like, to... Like, what year is this now? This is... They don't say, but I can put two and two together. This is right before that show? Uh, what's that? Is this right I before that show? I think it was show? around 2008. Okay, guess. so maybe it was 2000. Uh, we'll get to it. Okay. Uh, we'll get to it. No, because already by 19, I thought by 98. Maybe it was 98. 98. Okay, yeah, maybe because, it was 98. Yeah, yeah, because <clears throat> you're right. It was 98 it is, it because is. I remember watching the movie yeah. saying, wait, this all went down in 98. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I didn't this hear about it. This first interview so, must correct. be from 98. Right. Well, not the one. Yes, correct. Yes. The point is, I remember watching. That's this. not the director. Right, right, right. It, 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 it can't be the director no, this of is, the documentary. This is Steve even see oh you're talking about the, the interview the one where he sticks his head out the window or whatever no, like that's the first from contact the documentary but 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 is that like footage from somewhere else because no it's from the director that's the who first, shot it okay so the okay. point is we're talking about sugar steven sugar so now he's so now now is on the phone with him Correct. saying come out to but when he's South having Africa this conversation yeah it's probably 98 dude Okay. So and he's probably he was born forty. Yeah, I I ran the math. He's your age. Hold on, Mid I ran late. 40s. I ran the math. He, uh, he I want to say he was like fifty four when he did. I right, so your age. Yeah. Shut up. Anyway, he says, "Just get here. I promise you, you won't be disappointed." Well, his friend Rick Emerson, construction right. worker, right. he says he's working his ass off in Woodbridge. One day he brought a picture of himself on a milk cart and he said, Emerson, <laughs> look at this. They're looking for me. And I said, what is this, Rodriguez? He says, Emerson. So he knew. Yes. Wow. He says, Emerson, I got to go on tour. He knew. I said, come on, Rodriguez. Are you serious? I'm going on tour. Dude, that's awesome. Though. Yeah. Well, we also meet Ryan. Like, good. Let him put a couple bucks in his pocket. We're going to get to that. We meet Ryan. Um, Milan, who's a journalist and writer, and he, he's a very stuffed shirt type of character. And he says, because I'm Was a journalist, a suit? just like proper and just looks, Prim. looks like he wouldn't be fun to hang out with at parties. Right. Um, he says, not I like me. He says, I doubted it. The sort of thing does not happen in the rational universe. Ugh. It does not happen. It's against the laws of God and nature. I already hate him. This guy is coming to tour here. He must be an imposter. It's a clever public relations scam. Really? Actually, not even a clever public relations scam. It's a stupid because obviously it's not true. <laughs> Only idiots would believe it. But wow. I was wrong. Wow. So, March 2nd, 1998. Yeah, 98. This is Reagan, um, his youngest daughter. She says, we were anxious, of course, to get on the plane. And it was a long flight, but we got off the plane and we put our bags on our backs and they were heavy. And... Uh, suddenly we get there and two limousines pulled up and wow. we were sure they weren't for us. Yeah, We were kind of walking around them, like get out of these important people's way, right. but they were for us. And that's when it began to happen. Wow. Sick, dude. It was, I might want to watch this now, yeah. dude. This is awesome. I'm excited. I hope you do. <coughs> yeah, You might just be baked in this a little drunk. <laughs> I can't tell. Oh, I'm definitely that. 
Also. So he says, she says, it was all another world. It's another world. Well, Eva, she's the eldest. She says, just like you would see people over Madonna or like stepping out into the wind and paparazzi and all the, you know, production assistants and everybody there to welcome him and take us into the VIP suite. So this jogged my memory and it reminded me of Judas Priest and the tale of Tim Ripper Owens. Did you ever see Rockstar, the movie with Mark nah. Wahlberg nah. and Jennifer Aniston? Nah. So in the movie, the rock, the famous rock, it's like what happened to Journey, okay? You don't I, mean, know I, know, about I, the I know who Journey is. You don't know that Steve Perry Which, the band. What's the, what's the famous song from Journey? Don't stop. stop. Believe it. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, knew, I knew that so was going to be it. So Steve Perry quit. I fucking knew that was going to be it. Steve Perry quit, and then the band couldn't go on. So they found on YouTube somebody karaoke their songs. Get the fuck Yeah, out there's a doc here. on this. And it was some Asian guy in Korea. Oh, yeah, I do remember this. Yeah. <laughs> so Holy shit. So he and stepped then they in. Made, and then that's what the King of the Hill parody is about. I've never seen King of the Hill, so I can't King comment. of the Hill, Khan is the neighbor. He's like, okay. I am very Asian man, Vietnamese or Korean, I don't remember. But um, he does perfect cowboy style. Yeah. Fucking American country. Aren't you glad karaoke, that I dude. exist so I can That's come hilarious. in and connect the dots of all the things you thought you understood right. but had no idea right. they were really something else. Right. I hope I mean, some I have of our no, listeners... I have no idea if that's really what it came from. <laughs> it is. You but just it, figured it but out. But in my head, that's what it came from. Yeah. But it's literally going rock from like nobody to rock star overnight. That's the experience that's hilarious. he's having. That's sort of like... um. Remember when, I mean, Alice in Chains has had a quite the career after you know, Lane Stanley. You know, they're my died. second favorite band of all and time. And they've got a black dude as their fucking lead and singer. And he sounds exactly like He doesn't like sound Lane exactly Stan. like him. I mean, it's close enough. But he's very good. Yeah. And they are still making great music. Yeah, new they music. really are. And that's because that faggot Alex, whatever oh, his name watch is. watch with the language. There's no he, gay guys in Alice in Chains. I mean, what's that guy, Alex? What's his name? Alex what? Who? Who's the second fiddle? The one that wants to be the fiddle. What do you mean? In Alice in Chains? Yeah, the guy. Jerry Cantrell. Jerry. That guy sucks, dude. You're a fucking piece of shit. I know. Shit. I knew you were a Jerry kind of guy. Dude, Jerry Cantrell is the heart of the band. Of course. Man. That's what you, you would think. You probably don't even know that he sang on half I the, do. The, the, one the, of my favorite song. songs is a Jerry song. Name one. It's the one. Name it's one a, Alice in Chains song. No, I, I'm a uh, frog. Okay. Okay. Uh, down in a hole. Okay. So you're okay. probably I mean, I thinking the, of the Heaven Beside You and no, he's singing. No, no, no. It's, it's the, my favorite song, my favorite song no is Jerry, my favorite song is Jerry's song. It's the, Nutshell? It's, uh, nutshell. Brother? No, 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 no. It's, right about now, babe, you got things the, wrong. Got me wrong. Got, got me, me wrong. wrong. Yeah. Got me wrong. Yeah. That's yeah. a great song. That's well, a Jerry song. A lot of people don't realize that he sang on a lot of those albums. Yeah, this, and is they just system, put, this is a system of a down okay. Darren versus Serge kind of a thing. Okay. That's why they go, went through their things is because Darren wanted to sing more because he wrote all the music. Okay. And that's why he's like, what you're I, missing is this. <laughs> no. Everybody died in the band except Jerry. Okay. <laughs> yeah, all right. So you need to give him a little credit for having his shit together and not fucking dying and uh, still being able to write. Some might say Jerry killed everybody. No. Okay. We're going to move on. We're being insufferable. We're going to move on. Back to Rodriguez. It's March 5th, 1998. 
And we see some uh, family home uh, video footage of them arriving in South Africa. And uh, Seegerman says, they put him in a limo and they drove him into the city. And along the way, on all the lampposts were placards advertising the concert. And he saw his face wow. on every lamppost. That's hilarious. As it sped by, he'd go, there I am. There fuck, I am. dude. There I am. Yeah. He's autistic as fuck, dude. <laughs> <laughs> dude, I'm, fuck, man. I'm almost, I'm tearing up a little bit. Cause well, like, that's some magical shit right there. Well, Eva says, we came and got to meet all the I'm people. I'm not really tearing up. We got to meet Craig Bartholomew and their family and their kids and Steven Seegerman and everybody was just so happy. Everybody was thrilled. We were even happier. Imagine he meets like the guy who was sending the checks to oh the yeah United States. He's like <laughs> just stabs him. He's like no 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 no. He doesn't know and he just meets the guy right. and like there like then and there and is like. Oh, yeah, I've been sending your guy like $50,000 a month for like the past six years. I would drop everything I'm doing at that moment and be like, these people love me. Um, they'll wait for me to come back in a yeah. month and do this concert. I, I got this- somebody I got to go to stab yeah, named get- Clarence Avant in Beverly Dude, Hills. Dude, that guy, bring that guy to South Africa and yeah. execute him. They would have loved that. All right, moving on. We meet William Moeller. He's the musician guitarist. Because he's black. William Moeller? The guy from Beverly Hills. The guy who jacked his money. Oh, you mean uh, the Clarence Avant? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So South Africa would love that. Okay, I gotcha. So apartheid jokes. William Moeller, he's the musician guitarist in a current South African band called Big Sky, and he says Stephen phoned me. He said you're not going to believe this, but Rodriguez is coming to South Africa, and can you guys be the opening band? Do you want to do it? Holy shit! Yeah. And he said, of course I want to do it. Why? Where is he? And now they found Detroit, him. Detroit, dude, being a Mason. They found him. He's Mason. alive. He's coming to tour South Africa, and we get to be the opening. That's band. fucking nuts, dude. And he says he couldn't believe it. Yeah. And then he got all this information that he'd been in Detroit, and he said, "Look, it turns out he hasn't got a band, and we can be the support band." <laughs> oh my! I mean, his God, band, man. Uh, that's nuts dude yeah imagine getting that call dude that's amazing he says i remember even then we were sort of like this isn't really going to be rodriguez really they thought that they 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 must i mean it's the 90s dead they literally think he murdered himself yeah on stage yeah well that's so crazy how does that even come up dude how well, does that even did they, did they get that to that in the documentary to get the bottom of that yeah we'll get to it oh he, said, he says well, i feel like we you always say we'll get to it, I do it all the time do. i know i know you know what it is it's just I, for me one of the notes that i was gonna say like <laughs> no let's just get to that right no, now no. and then when you were going to get to it you know you why just i don't it do it why? right because then i'm gonna have to cut you have you cut something out because i'll read it and forgot that i already said no no you just like once you read it you just <laughs> pass through it like that's it that's just not brush my, over it that's not how my storytelling works <laughs> okay, okay, okay but i've actually had listeners tell me yeah. they're like you know sometimes you tell dave we'll get to it and you never get to it yeah and i'm like, like that's the just tulip trying one, to dude. shut him up the tulip one is the only one that we kind of got to everything okay well he finishes and he says we'll only know if he can actually see this songs i mean we don't know what if it's just some guy so their theory is They'll be able to tell he's a fake because he won't really be able to sing the songs. Oh. They're convinced it's still not going to be Rodriguez. Oh. They think somebody's pulling a scam just to make money. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. I get it. Uh, I so, mean, uh, uh, that's not the that's that's 
funny that they say that, but like that's not where my mind would go. My mind would my mind would go. This guy's overplaying being Rodriguez way too much. Like he sounds too much like him, and he looks and smells too much like him too. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's too much him. Right. He's too fucking autistic. Right. That's what would be my my theory. Well, March. But they 2nd, haven't met him at this point. No. They're like t- just no. reiterating. Okay, great. Well, March second, nineteen ninety eight. This is a day uh, later. <laughs> no, wait. It's three it? days before. Okay, three days before. Okay, <laughs> they're, they're doing a little moving okay, around. Okay, here. okay, okay. Or maybe I fucked up on my script. Uh, no, no, I, I don't remember. Uh, I just heard so, early March. I'm thinking, yeah. what is it? <laughs> well, we see Eva's home footage uh, of the in recordings, and Sandra says it was like just one day, and we heard about it, and the next day we're there, trying to believe our eyes, thinking That's it was crazy. just shocking. I don't know. He took it really easy. He just so this is in. right. A- I'm sorry to cut you off, but this yeah. is right after apartheid, like literally right yeah. after. Well, like 93 years later, I think it was. I think oh, okay. apartheid in 93, 94. You okay, have to okay, double check. Okay. I can't recall. I was thinking 96. So okay, maybe, okay, maybe okay. Like, okay. Five years later, all right, all right. It's half a generation. Well, here's the thing. Um, he just walked in and did his thing, and I was amazed that he did it so well. But he's not all head in the clouds. He's a little bit too grounded. He didn't take advantage of all the amenities and stuff. Sure, sure, sure. He didn't sleep in the double king size bed. He curled okay. up on the love seat, and I just found him there. Wow. And he just didn't think somebody should have to make another bed because oh, it got dude. messed up. Fuck, this man, is what I'm getting this emotional. Is, right I know, now, dude. Dog. I started. <laughs> this, getting, fu- I mean, this fucking sad. Bro. I know. This is like. It's, you I, know what it's like? He was institutionalized, man. <laughs> like Shawshank Redemption. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like yeah, he doesn't yeah, yeah, feel yeah. like he deserves no, no, this no, it's stuff. True, it's true. It's true. Very, very powerful. He's about to fucking write his carve his name on the roof and hang himself. Yeah. Well, it's weird because I was watching uh, the Deer Hunter the other night, and there's a scene when one of them gets back from the war and he can't sleep in the bed. You know, and you see this a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. You know, passed away. Yeah, it's like I'm gonna go sleep on the floor yeah you know because that's what my body's used to yeah 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 well reagan says there was a time where i stayed in the house we were uh at and everybody else had gone out and the phone rang and it kept ringing so i decided to answer and it was a reporter looking to speak with rodriguez and set up a time for an interview and then before she hung up after i told her to call back later to talk to someone uh she told me she wanted to know between she and i if it was really Rodriguez. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Well, I mean, yeah. Day later, March 3rd, 1998. I mean, because they don't, it's been 20 years, so they don't have even a picture of him. Yeah, not only that, what I really found when I did my digging on the on the Tide is they didn't really have TV. Like, they, people did not have TV in up in the 80s and the 90s. Well, it's until kinda, the early I mean, 90s. Yeah, you're not wrong. Like, you had one TV. No, a lot of them didn't have any. But I'm just saying that, like, even a, even a, 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 what's the word? The tide was a brutal regime, is what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. What's the word? No, no. I mean, like, uh, they were castaways. I'm just saying, an affluent, even an affluent family. Yeah. Even in the 90s. Hey, the white people three, with the money had the TVs. You might have had three TVs in the whole, in the house. Right. At like, at most. Right. But you know, now okay, you got one in Okay, but keep in mind. Room. This isn't uh, an economic situation that they can't afford TVs in South Africa. The apartheid oh, so, oh, regime would not allow oh, them sure, 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 to sure, have sure. TVs so they knew what was going on sure, in sure, the sure, outside sure. world. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, yeah, makes so sense. a day later, William Morris, uh, Moeller, excuse me, he's the guitarist from Big Sky. He says, we're rehearsing with the CD of the songs that um, we've got in the studio in Cape Town. 
uh, on the day he comes in from the airport. And he arrived, and we were in the middle of a song when he walked in, and he just took over the microphone and finished the song. We switched off the CD player, and it was like completely seamless. Completely seamless. I mean, okay. Yeah, this we're, is the we're guy. In business. I think we all <laughs> so knew. easy. Yeah, like the, as if the guy couldn't have been listening to the song, all the songs he made for years and years and years, and like could have fooled. But like, oh no, this is the guy. Well, he literally says, "We knew we were about to be a part of something very special." That's crazy, man. Fuck. Have you ever been part of anything special besides this garbage podcast, <laughs> Monsters of Comedy <laughs> Tour, okay. 2010? Let's not get sidetracked here. <laughs> so we see Rodriguez rehearsing in this massive empty auditorium all right and it's you know it's it's a pretty how many people are we talking eight thousand no 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 two thousand we're gonna get to the exact numbers okay. i promise you. okay okay so reagan says when we initially got on the plane i thought there'd maybe be like 20 people in the audience. i'm very sorry do yeah. we know at this point yeah is like the government of south africa sponsoring this no who's no. sponsoring all this um his fans hmm you gotta remember, like, is there like an organization Sh- Sh- that they Sugar talk about? Siegerman is the one, just the guy putting it together. He has a record store. Oh, he's got the record store. That's right. That's right. That's so right, that's he right. probably yeah, knows yeah, people yeah, yeah, on yeah, yeah, the yeah, streets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He probably made more money off <laughs> no, of this motherfucker no, than no. than off of Rodriguez. We're gonna get to the numbers, and I promise. I know. I, I know. I know. I know. We need the numbers. I have them. I'm a numbers right. guy. B after the show. So anyway, um, she says, hopefully, I thought 20 people be there, but it turned out really, really different. Well, Eva, Eva, excuse me, 20 people. Hopefully, like she means for the show. Yeah. For one of the shows. Yeah, for the concert that they're getting. The only, are they only doing one? Like, are, are they planning for one you concert? You just got to let things unfold. Okay, man. <laughs> okay. I need to know these things. Okay. Well, they're getting ready to rehearse for the few first concert. And Eva says, there's old people and young people, and they're coming to see the show. And there's my stepdad on stage. Before he went on stage, because I wanted to take a picture of the audience, since nobody's ever going to believe this. Well, Craig, he says... You must remember this guy. It's like seeing someone like Elvis came back from the dead. People in the audience still don't believe it. They're standing there. They're at the concert. They paid their money. They still don't believe that Rodriguez is actually going to walk out Fuck. on the stage. So You'll never see this ever again in your lives, no. people. Because of the internet and because of how things work, you'll never, ever, ever see this nope, again. You're absolutely right. Well, it's March 6th, 1998. Man. And we see the place, and it's packed. Yeah. And fans are going nuts before he even gets on stage. You got the believers and the non-believers. It's, here's the thing. It's a massive audience. And it's not shot to make it look like it's bigger than it is. It's very How many people are actually getting in? Please tell me. It's coming up. God damn it. Okay. Well, William, he's the uh, guitarist from Big Sky. He says, are you ready? Please welcome Rodriguez. Well, the crowd is chanting his name. Rodriguez. Rodriguez. How are they chanting it? Like like that? Rodriguez. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Not, and he, you had to go, Rodriguez. I, I don't Rodriguez. remember. It's probably three syllables. You know? <laughs> so you he's a showman. He knows how to do this. He lets them build it up. And Reagan says it was almost as if he didn't even have to play. They were just Sick. happy to see him. So for a time, I think they wanted just to meet. It was a reunion. Well, Siegerman says it was something completely different. It was for everybody there. I'm sure the most exciting concert they'd ever been to because it was unique. We'd never seen Rodriguez and all you heard was the bass player just playing. 
okay? And he's like, and they're layering. They're starting to layer. And then the the growing. And then the the drummer comes in. Yes. Yes. One, two, three, four. And then Rodriguez wants Wake up. that's the worst song ever (laughs) rodriguez wandered out to the front of the stage and the bass player actually just stopped playing and it took a while there was about five or ten minutes of people just screaming at him before he even started yeah do you think he's nervous not at all i don't think he's nervous so he's he's got ice in his veins he's a pro yeah well the first thing rodriguez says is thanks for keeping me alive wow and then he kicks into i wonder Nice. And the crowd is, it looks like the Beatles just arriving in America. Panties. They're crying. Panties. Dude, a girl throws her bra on stage. It's a giant bra. It's like a fucking. <laughs> it's a watermelon catcher bra. It's a big one. I love those. Dude. And I got chills as I'm watching this. And as soon as he hurts that first line from I Wonder, they just go even crazier. Yeah. There's, they're, and they're all just smiling. They're all just having the time of their lives. And Reagan says, I think to go from being the outcast to being who he really was because it was though it was him again. And that was who he was, a musician on stage playing for his fans. Oh, yeah. That's got to be... It's probably like 10,000 people. No, no, no. That's like that's like 6,000 people maybe. 5 to 6,000. It's a lot of people, don't get me wrong. I'm just trying to put it in perspective. So good, dude. They're doing the three chant. Rodriguez. Then the bass comes in. I gotta hear this. Yeah. Yeah, he starts with the drums. That's how they all start. They always start with the drums. Oh, yeah, dude. Edward James almost. Yeah, this is the. The Bob Dylan song. I thought that I would see, you know, him being bewildered at all these people staring up at him. I saw the opposite. I saw this absolute tranquility. There was absolute serenity on his face. Total. He just, it's like he had arrived at that thing, that place he tried to find his whole life. Pretty amazing. I mean, a uh, nice performance. Yeah, and just say, so you know, I think you can find pretty much the whole concert online if you want. Well, to. and just so you know, you looking over at my computer doesn't mean you watch this. No, I didn't. I have not. No, no, it doesn't. Okay. Count. No, no, it doesn't count. Okay, just watching this scene. Get out of here. Is that what you? Is that why you told me not to watch it off <laughs> off of recording the other no, a couple minutes ago? No, I was like, don't to watch get you it. to see it. No, you're like, don't watch this. Well, yeah, oh, part sure. of it because I don't want you to. That's okay. Come on. So you're gonna watch this? That, 
Um, no, we talked. <laughs> we did. We did talk about this off mic, which was, yeah, I probably would have watched it. Uh-huh. Um, you know, if I was gonna watch it, it would be between then and now. Got it. But uh, maybe if I knew a couple more little tidbits. Um, You're gonna get some more. No, but I'm just saying, like just uh, be before, patient. but in the last episode, <laughs> yeah. I might have been slightly more inclined. Yeah, but uh, I think now that cliff like, hanging it with me saying he's alive isn't enough to get you to want to watch. It was a lot. No, no, because I wasn't invested in his story yet, and then by the time I became invested in his story yeah. and listened to his music and all that, like um, I kind of was over it. Okay, well, Seagram, and I kind of like read about it a little bit too. Seegerman says home almost counts. Home is acceptance. Here's a guy who lives somewhere else on the other side of the earth, and it was almost as if he had found his home. And Craig, he says, I looked around at all these people, and I thought, this is a once-in-a-lifetime experience. This is never going to happen again. Well, we see the band come out, and they take a final bow. The lighters are lit, bro. Okay? People are crying at this point. And then he goes into Sugar Man. And then (laughs) I told you, I did check the math. So he was 56 at the time of this concert. He looks 70. Yeah, he does look weathered. Uh, I mean, he's a hardworking man. Yeah. But he's how old is he now? Um, I don't know, but I'll okay. tell you at the end of the show. He looks 80, but I think he's like 10 years younger than that. I'll tell you at the end of the okay. show. Well, uh, Ryan Mallon, the journalist and writer, he says, well, isn't this all our great fate? Your dreams of yourself, the higher forms of yourself, is that one day you'll be recognized and that your talents and everything else will suddenly become visible to the world. I mean, most of us die without coming anywhere close to that sort of magic. I tried to get him to talk about that when I interviewed him, about how strange it was, and I got nothing back. Absolutely nothing. And I couldn't tell whether he was just like sort of cripplingly shy, or whether I was asking the wrong questions, or there was a language barrier. He just... Maybe that was okay as well because he preserved his mystery. I walked away from the interview saying, this is all too strange to be true. It remains too strange to be true. These are the days of miracles and wonder. And then we see a shot of him trying to end the show, but the crowd just won't let him leave. They're not leaving. And we learn... When you say, like, you mean like hours? They're like, bring it. Give me more. Well, we find out that Rodriguez played six sold-out concerts in South Africa. Um, And Rodriguez says they were so sweet. I didn't believe it, and I still don't. But the thing is, when I went on stage, 5,000 seats all set up, white seats. 5,000, okay. No, no, no. He's referring to the seats on the floor. Got Because they were all white. The ones in the the thing were red. So I think you're right. I think it's probably about 13,000. 10,000, I thought. Maybe 10. That was my first initial. I didn't notice all that on the floor there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So he says, when I played a show, they jumped out of their seats and rushed the stage. South Africa made me feel like more than a prince. So Like rushed rushed it like... Yeah. Armed him? No, no, no. That's just they they didn't oh, sit went in their to the front. seats. Yeah. They went to the front of the stage. They're and like, just, we're not fucking sitting. We're yeah, getting yeah, as close yeah. they as like we pit, can to this. They guy. pitted it up. Mm-hmm. They, they made that shit a pit. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You gotta do that. Fuck that. You just make that general <laughs> admission these days. Yep. They didn't know. Well you could have packed six six grand. He know. signs autographs for hours. Fuck, man. The, people are bringing guitars. That's amazing. Bringing CDs. Okay, $80 for the guitar. I'm just joking. Dude, he didn't charge a thing, to my knowledge. 
Um, I mean, he charged for the show. He made money off the show, by the way, obviously. By the way, if you're a comic and you're listening out there, <laughs> if you do personal meet and greets and charge extra, I'm disgusted by They it. all do that. I don't give a shit. And by the way, you're wrong. They don't all do that. I know many no, comics. Well, Hold on. No, they've yeah. been around. Yeah. There are many comics that have come out in the last few years yeah. and said, I can't do this because it makes me feel shitty doing this. And yeah. I respect the fuck out of those. Yeah. So I've always, yeah, I, it, you know what it is? You're right. You, like uh, for a comic, it seems a little overproduced. Yeah. Like the top guys like Bert and Tom and stuff, they pay, they charge even like Mark Norman and those guys, they, they charge for like a, as far as they know, they charge, right? It's just they, You know the what thing. they do? You know what? You know what it is now? Yeah. You know what I think of what a, the non-greasy comedians have moved to? What? Instead of, a, instead of that, they've moved to a Q&A. Instead of after a meet and greet and after yeah. the show. And then after the show, you just like do what Louis J. Gomez does. He goes, meet me in the parking lot and we'll smoke together. There you go. Well, Regan says, the most amazing thing I'd seen was this man with his tattoo of the Cold Fact album. Wow. He was a Rodriguez impersonator. Wow. And that stoked my fire. I was like, this is too crazy. Did he like that? What's that? He liked it, right? I mean, impression is the most sincerest form of (laughs) flattery, (laughs) Close enough. Okay. They don't say if he liked it because it's Reagan. Reagan Reagan is commenting on it. Okay. Okay. So uh, let me ask you one thing real quick. Something that I've been wondering. Yeah. Is this guy... A booze really bag. Rodriguez. <laughs> no, no. A booze bag. A, no. Uh, a no. druggy. No. Nothing. Well, he talks about it later in that he went to bars and drank. Okay. Obviously, he did drugs. It was his 60s, man. You don't fucking come out of the 60s. It's not true. My, neither my he's parents. Si- do. He, he, do you think he's singing about jumpers, coke, and Mary Jane and not partaking? Yeah, in it? a lot of those people. Those are posers. They don't do that shit. This guy's authentic. That's okay? not, but 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 even so let's get into the argument real quick about okay. this real, because okay because you because you want this to be a five hour podcast. No 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 no, <laughs> no kidding, because I'm look kidding. look like um uh, uh when I said earlier because I've been listening to the song Sugar Man a lot that yeah, yeah. one particularly I like the hook obviously because it just mentions cocaine and just yeah, fucking you love degenerate it. Mm-hmm. and like coke addict yeah <laughs> addicted of <laughs> yeah. course yes and you know. Not an alcoholic. So what's the conversation? Um, Denial. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not denying I'm a cokehead. Okay. I'm Sam Lenny. Well, alcoholic. I get I'm it. I'm not an alcoholic okay. because I don't drink every day. You've only had four this show. It's- Just this show because that's how I... <laughs> Like, when was the last time I drank on this show? It's been a while. It, it's been a while. I don't really just do okay, it. Okay, but just, what was the conversation you wanted to have? Yeah, about the song. It, yeah. it, and like you were saying that oh, okay. you were thinking about... You were saying, yeah, um, yeah. Let's bring this up. Okay, let's bring it up. We had a debate. I didn't. I, on, I didn't look into it. I, I just did. figured. I oh, did. Wow, you did look into well, it. Well, right? we were on break, and okay. I wanted to settle the argument. Okay, so let me just phrase it real quick. Which is, yeah. in my head, when I heard this song, uh, the song, the hook, what you're saying. the hook, the hook uh, in that song, Sugar Man, is yeah. is Silver Magic Ships You Carry, uh-huh. Jumpers, Jumpers Coke, Coke, Sweet Mar- Mary Jane, Sweet Mary Jane. Okay, so in my mind, I was thinking literally, yeah, the silver ships, silver sure, magic ships. Uh, hold on, yes, silver magic ships. There's the yeah. silver ones are the magic ones. They go hand in hand. It's just another way to express the the feeling of what you're saying. If you're sitting there, let's say on a hill out in South Africa, he's, yeah. he's not in South Africa, but if you're uh, wherever you're looking and you're looking off an actual ships coming in, let's say if you live in yeah. whatever. Then like, and then you just somehow know 
the silver ones are bringing the the drugs. Those are the ones that come from wherever. So I thought personally, I thought he was referencing. Okay, when he sees the silver ones, that means he knows that the drugs are coming in or whatever. Or he he heard about them being. So I thought it says silver and magic ships you carry. Yes, jumpers, coke, sweet Mary Jane, and you very but, well could be right. But apparently, I my impression is different. Right. This is the beautiful thing about lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. And song meanings. I take it to say. Uh, silver magic ships are a type of drug, like maybe representative of a pill that look like silver. Yeah. Okay. Aha. Uh-huh. So I read it the as pill, like lewds. Right. I read it as silver magic ships you carry, comma yeah. jumpers, comma coke, comma uh-huh. sweet Mary Jane. Okay. 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 Now, so if you look up the actual lyrics, I see. Now here's the thing. I did a little digging. Sure. I just randomly googled silver magic ships. And this is what came up. What is the silver magic ship slang? And of course, Rodriguez's song, Sugar Man, comes up. And the only thing I found is nobody really knows what the silver magic ships represent. But the jumpers are amphetamines, the coke is cocaine, and the sweet Mary Jane is marijuana. It is a very bleak tale about being in the throes of addiction. The sugar man is a false friend who will turn your heart to dead black. I don't need the editorial. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know if there is the a dead black hole, but I mean that is part of the lyrics, like the <laughs> um, "Turn my heart to dead black hole." I think is one of the hurts lyrics or whatever like that. But well, yeah, he I saw, also I, references I saw, in the song for but, a blue coin, for a blue coin. But <clears throat> yeah, what is that? Well, I couldn't figure it out either. But somebody said it's a lonely quarter, meaning like your last piece of money. Oh, I see. So who knows? Okay, again, yeah, nobody's that's some right. Old timey shit. <laughs> that's some old timey shit i mean the guy grew up i mean he was doing this in the 70s you know but but um yeah i i i that when you say ship and you say silver magic ship that can be kind of that's kind of cool actually yeah i'm just thinking of like ship like battleship they kind of do look like large pills i i mean who knows we're not supposed to know that's the beauty of yeah, art it's interpretive yeah uh, that's so we, why i don't laugh at any of your jokes we see a presenter backstage and he comes up to Rodriguez and he says, uh, I have here with me presented to Rodriguez for sales of the album Cold Fact. It's one of those big gold records. They don't get specific about it. And then Rodriguez says, now just tell the states that, okay? Yeah. Well, a British reporter. Oh, man. Um, you know, uh, she, he's on, she, she's interviewing Rodriguez and you know he they show him going around the round i'm sure no rounds. lawyers ever got involved that's crazy like well we're, pro gonna, bono. we're gonna get there i don't so kind of on that one uh he's making the rounds on the talk show host and they're like so we yeah. heard that and you, what year is this now they're this doing is talk 98 shows. okay they're like we heard you let yourself on petrol and uh let, oh my god let a match and commit suicide hmm. uh to taking a drug dose uh, dying in prison so we see that there's this new reinterest in Rodriguez, and Ava says, "Imagine they like imagine that story was planted by Bob Rodriguez. <laughs> no, 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 by the other guy, by the by the 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 black dude. What's the oh, guy's Clarence name? Clarence Avon. Imagine, yeah, could have been. Oh my God, that's dirty. We're gonna get was. to Clarence Avon later. Uh, we already got to him. No, 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 buddy. We're I get worked. To him some more. I did some work. What a scumbag. So Eva says it was beautiful, a beautiful dream. But then you got to go back. And my dad said he got two lives he's got two lives the carriage turns into the pumpkin or something hey what she's saying that this has been magical oh but we gotta go back home home. become a mason yeah again go (laughs) back to masonry work and an interviewer says did people in detroit believe you when you came back and told them what happened and Sandra says 
people in Detroit need to hear something good. That's an understatement. I'm not sure how much of it they believed because it is a grandiose story. It sounds like something you would make up if you were bragging. Right. Uh, uh, on yeah, some dude. Dream. Let's get some clout back in Detroit. Well, we're going to meet one of his friends, a bricklayer named Jerome Ferretti. <laughs> yeah, Jerome. This guy is very prescient. Um, he's he. What's that mean? Um, I guess the way I would describe it is insightful. Uh, provides Presh- some, prescient. Prescient. Hmm. Uh, provides. P R E S C I E N T. I think I'm not okay. good at spelling. No, these. no, that's that's close enough. Uh, just yeah, I was someone that's someone that's illuminating something onto a subject. I love the way there's always a word that we learn on the show. Well, I love you, it. I love the words, <laughs> dude. I'm all for the words. <laughs> so iconoclast. I love that shit. Right, and that's the one I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rebel. And trust me, I'm not trying to sound didactic. No, no. Right <laughs> 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 before Skankfest. Okay. Huh? Anyway. Um, uh, he says he was really quite famous. He'd be, you know, tearing down, tearing down this old shack or he'd be sweeping up filth or dirt. And he started to show me one day and I didn't believe him about the album and how he got so popular. Somebody had a bootleg copy of this thing and it spread around. Yeah, I imagine a yellow, uh, a yellow, um, not briefcase, um, suitcase, uh-huh. a yellow suitcase. Silver magic show? Li- no, a yellow suitcase <laughs> lives underneath his bed his twin size bed right. in Detroit right. that just has everything from that time. Right. Literally every single and thing fits in there. In a little and it's just box. and it's black widows are making babies on it and there's just <laughs> it's black fil- black widow baby maker. Yeah, yeah. That's it's my just, new band name. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So he asks him and you know it, he gets this bootleg and it got spread around. He says it got to be so popular that children could recite it and sing the song word for word. All of the songs word for word. And I had never heard of the <laughs> album. And I said, can you get me an album? And he couldn't even get me one. I mean, that's how obscure of a thing it was. But he had all these photos and stuff with these giant crowds like Woodstock or something. Like, are you kidding me? That's you? Yeah. I thought it was photoshopped or something. I didn't believe Wait, what? him. This is his bricklayer friend, John Ferretti. Photoshopped? Yeah, when he comes back. In 98? Buddy, Photoshop's been around. I guess. Okay. Well, Edited, maybe, right. maybe he's telling the story and it was 2005. It, uh, maybe. And, like, and he like had that, head, had that word in his head already. Right. I, I get Jack. Right. But he says, I didn't believe him. But he had all these giant crowds. And he was quite... That makes sense. That they, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you again, but that okay. makes sense that they would be talking... Yeah, right. So they're interviewing this guy now for the documentary. And so that's why he's referring to Photoshop. Correct. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Because he's known the guy for a long time. He's known the guy since 98, hasn't he? More than that. So that's why Photoshop... That's why... That threw me off. Right, continue. He says, I didn't believe him, but he had all these giant crowds and he was quite content to just go and sweep up people's lawns or clean up and do manual labor. He stayed. Wow. Well, Reagan says he had no other choice. He lives a very, a very, very modest life. Definitely, there's definitely no excess, and he definitely still works hard in order to make ends meet. And there's no glamour to his life in that sense. And again, we see him stoking a, a wood burning stove in his so, house, so and it's you, right by his bed. Was he? Was he? Yeah, because he's got to stay warm during the <laughs> fucking winter, dude. Yeah. So does he um like is he making music during the after time? We're getting to it. Fuck, 
I feel like we're never going to get to any of this. Well, if you keep talking about fucking um, whatever. I want to get to it. <laughs> right, let's go, let's go, let's go. Okay, so the interviewer says, well, he must be rich today. And Reagan says, no, he's rich in a lot of things, but perhaps not material things. I guess it just never got to that. Well, but he's sold hundreds of thousands of records in oh, South Africa. Oh, no. Reagan. Well, yes, but I believe there's a great deal of perhaps bootlegging, piracy, such There probably like that. is that also. Well, he says perhaps. Or But they know per- he Yeah, but we already know from or, the last episode that he sold right half a million uh half a billion half a million copies. Perhaps? Perhaps. Or perhaps other people are rich. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Yeah. But that that is the number that we can't okay, do. But right? You're missing something. No, no. She's not talking about just the people that ripped him off. She's talking about maybe he did something with his money that he's received now. Mm. Okay? Mm. So. And I forget about the girl that Placebo, said dude. No. Then I'll tell who I want where to go And I'll forget about your lies and deceit And your attempts to be so discreet Maybe today yeah, I'll slip away And you can keep your symbols of success and I pursue my own happiness And you can keep your clocks and routine That was All Slip Away mm-hmm. from 1973 wow. from Rodriguez's third and unfinished album. Wow. Mm-hmm. So he sang some extra tunies. Well, you're going to hear more about Did that. Did he get, get on the... Is that from the encore? got to wait. No. Fucking... No, no, no. Killing me here, dude. <laughs> well, Seegerman says, you know, when I think about... That night when I spoke to Eva on the phone, we could not have imagined how much our lives were going to change after that phone call. Eva came on tour with Rodriguez and the organizers arranged a chaperone bodyguard to drive them around while they fell in love. And they have a child now. Aww. So Rodriguez has a South African grandson. Wow. Um, a South African grandchild. Interesting. Yep. That's cool. For me, I used to be a jeweler in Johannesburg. Oh, well, God. Now I live in Cape Town and have a music store. Nice. Things change so much for us, but except for one person. It sounds like a lyric from uh, the Rodriguez song. <laughs> Things change so much for us. Except for one person. Mm-hmm. Except for one person. And that's Rodriguez. And that is me. For him, nothing has changed. The life that he was living. For him, nothing has changed. Okay, sorry. Go <laughs> For him, nothing has changed. Um, the life that he was living is still the life he's living now. Remember, that when sounds we, like that's a po- that's poetry right there, dude. dude they're what all the fuck? they're all kind of just crushing. It, <laughs> so remember when we just uh, talked about the word prescient, and yes. I was describing his bricklayer friend being prescient. Sure, I was wrong. Rick Emerson <laughs> is his construction worker calling that I think is prescient. Oh uh, fuck me. Well, so and not just, Jerome. No. Jerome was a black dude. <laughs> Don't recall, to be honest. Okay. That's how colorblind I am when oh, it comes God. to the truth, Dave. Yeah, you're uh, colorblind because you're getting old. Okay, so Rick Emerson, 
he is the one that I would describe as prescient. And just so we're clear, while we took our last break and you got baked, I did look up the definition of prescient. Uh, having or showing knowledge of events before they take place, a prescient warning. What so, did you say it was? I would say illuminating. So this. But what did you say originally that it was? Pre- uh, I said illuminating. Illuminating. Okay. So this is more. That's that makes sense. Prescient. Yeah. yeah but this is more about some like German way of saying present. Prescient. Okay. So Rick says, what he's distra- demonstrated very clearly is that you have a choice. He took all that torment, all that agony, all that confusion and pain, and he transformed it into something beautiful. He's like the silkworm. Hmm. You take this raw material <laughs> and you transform it. <laughs> to a moth. And you come out with something that wasn't there before. A moth. Something beautiful. <laughs> a moth is Some, not beautiful. Don't use silkworm. Something perhaps transcendent. Something perhaps eternal. Insofar as he does that, I think he's representative of the human spirit or what's possible, that you have a choice. And this has been my choice to give you sugar, man. Now, have you done that? Ask yourself. I I, I honestly think that the silkworm metaphor is actually a much better metaphor for Rodriguez because it's so much like a moth, it survives at any by any means necessary, whereas a fucking butterfly dies like in 11 days or it's whatever the fuck. That's very true. Very true. I didn't yeah. know they died in 11 days. They're these whatever they are, creatures, like, but yeah. they die in they, 11 days. Something like that. But what, moths live forever? No, moths <laughs> live, I think, an extra, I think, three, <laughs> times, days? three, three <laughs> times longer, I think. I think they live about for about 30 days. Was it a huntsman or a player that made you pay the cost that now assumes relaxed positions and prostitutes your loss? Were you tortured by your own thirst in those pleasures that you seek? That made you Tom the curious, that makes you James the weak. But you claim you've got something going. Dude, something about every one of his songs mm-hmm. sounds so familiar. They're loaded, is why. And and and, and look and. He, these are written in the seventies. Like we know it. And like, you just yeah. wonder, like, is there just the jingle guy? Like did, the, uh-huh. did like two, and a, the, the character from two and a half men, was he just jacking Never Rodriguez? I mean, whatever, like, you yeah. know what I mean? He's a yeah, jingle yeah. guy. He's a guy yeah. who wrote jingles. Yeah. Like, is there a guy in the seventies that was just getting rich off of writing music that was literally just jacked from Rodriguez. And it's like every single song, but then I guess he's got a real big he's got a real big Bob Dylan song. So maybe sound. So maybe I got to go back and maybe he was jacking well, Bob Dylan. <laughs> that was Crucify Your Mind from 1970, and this is how the film ends. And he's playing that wow. um, just solo acoustic in his home, and you see the snow falling in the background through the window, and it's quite quite a, a powerful image. 
And this is usually when I think most people are just crying their eyes out at watching this. Well, we also learned that Rodriguez has re- returned to South Africa four times and performed in over 30 countries. Since 2012. Since <clears throat> like 2012. Nine, since 98. No, wait, from, wait, from 2012 to 98 is what you're saying. 2012. From ni- that- 98 to tw- 2012. Correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. Correct. When this was released. Right. Now, he has given away most of the money earned wow, from these man. tours to his family and friends. Oh, okay. Rodriguez still lives in downtown Detroit in the same house he has lived in for 40 years. Okay. Soon you know I'll leave you and I'll never look behind because I was born for the purpose that crucifies your mind. So can't convince your mirror as you've always done before giving substance to shadows giving substance evermore and you assume you got something to offer secret shiny in you of you is repetition that you didn't whisper to him too Dude, even the marimba shit going on in the background so who's doing all that okay so like um i don't know if they get, get into this at all if you did any research but like um as far as when he's making the music in the 70s. Yeah. Like, who's doing the marimba and the fucking well, production and listen, all that? If you listen to Cold Fact, it's very sparse. There isn't a lot of texture to the music. It's very underproduced. Okay. Now, uh, I, coming, I, coming I, from reality... I guess reality, from the 70s, like from that kind of era of disco, maybe... Coming from reality, when, when Roland better. was involved with producing, you can see more layers and feel more layers. Like you were just saying, the marimba, okay. I feel yeah. that... You're so just studio guys. Yeah, I mean, that's what producers do. Sure. You know, it's like, sure. well, I mean, would the Ronettes have been do. the Ronettes without Phil Spector? Well, like, probably not. Right. But like, the talking heads are not having a producer write a marimba part to music. They're probably producing it themselves. Exactly. You that's know? what I mean. I mean, and like, I just I they, hate they, the fact that I just said that right now. Right. But it kind of actually makes it way cooler in my holy shit. I just had an epiphany because in you my had head, a lot of those today. <sighs> Started okay. one in the bathroom. Okay, okay. No, going. no. But um, this guy, uh, not this guy. Uh, I, I've talked about this on this podcast. Yeah. Which is, I. It's not that I hate the Talking Heads or I hate Weezer. Uh-huh. What I hate. Both great bands, by the way. Right. Well, obviously, I mean, River, Rivers is a fucking asshole. But it doesn't matter. Like, uh, what I hate. Are you having are, a seizure? What I hate are their fans. <laughs> <laughs> what I hate, I need to take clav. What is it called? Clavin? Uh, Kepra? Kepra. Yeah. Um, what I hate are the Weezer and Talking Head fans uh-huh. because of how staunchy they are. They're like, ooh, they're, they're, they're elitist. They're, they're, um, what do they call them? Snobs? What's the word? Yeah, snobs, but it's like they're, um, you know, classically trained musicians is the mm-hmm. word they always use, the phrase they always use. And it's like, Yes, you don't. You're not gonna have. You're not gonna have a Rodriguez coming in and doing a marimba part, right? And like, if you're gonna have a marimba part in music, 
talking heads are going to be like, I'm not going to have some fucking greasy producer doing a marimba part. So this, that kind of makes it a little cooler. This might be the wrong head. time to ask right now. Sure. Um, are you having an out-of-body experience right now? No, I just... I, I'm... Look, man... You're I've, moved. I've, You're I've, moved, no, I think. I, look, I've lived in Los Angeles my whole life. Yeah. And I've not... I'm not... You're not coming. I, out I don't right now, know right? Hollywood. Yeah, and but you're not you, gonna make a big announcement right now. I'm not gonna make a big announcement. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I'm mother. Okay, I know you're okay. not listening right now. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna come out to your mother right, right now. So no, no. But let me just explain real quick. Yeah, I grew up in Los Angeles. Yeah, and like you never really hear, but this is the stuff you want to hear. Like mm -hmm. you see it, you're uh, close to it, yeah. but you never get to the point where you're finding out like where they make the sausage like where they make the sausage you kind of want to know like are there <laughs> that's what i kind of want to know like who's doing the marimba on that okay shit? so here's what we can ask ourselves right now because that's technically the end of the documentary um i first of all need to tell you all um this is a four-star doc hell yeah doc. i can or this um, is a four i got a four-star feeling right it's, now. it's it's in my top probably 10 of all time nice. i remember seeing we gotta go we have to have an episode about the top i'm gonna stop interrupting you. we i remember seeing this covered on 60 minutes and i was blown away and i immediately watched the documentary and i because i was like how the hell did this happen and the thing that i keep going back to is he goes back in 98 and the story still didn't come out in the mainstream press until 2012. That's yeah. a long time to not be told. That means a lot of a lot of powerful people made a lot of money off of mm -hmm. him. Mm -hmm. That's what it means. Well, we're going to dig into that. I want to just give you a, just some basic info. Rodriguez uh, was born July 10th, 1942. He okay. died. A year before my mom. He died oh. a month ago. Oh no, shit, mm -hmm. man! Yeah, he died wow. August eighth, and I didn't even know that. That's I was not I've been, surprising. You're not I've been great at research, but no, but I've been watching his music for yeah. the, like uh, for the past week. Yeah, I've been get diving in. Like, yeah. I wow, August fuck, man, eighth, twenty twenty. Wow, um, rest in peace, Howled. So he must be eighty one. Look at the big brain on Brad. Well, my dad's. My dad <laughs> yeah. was born in forty three. Yeah, you got he just it. Just turned eighty. Well, he received an honorary doctorate of uh, human, humane letters uh, from his alma mater, Wayne State uh, University in Detroit. That was 2013. Wow, man. Um, he lived in the historic Woodbridge neighborhood. And again, he never had a telephone. Uh, <laughs> That's yeah. how he never got his money. Yeah. He never got his money. I mean, this is a guy who definitely yeah, probably yeah, never yeah. was on the internet. Yeah. Um, he hung out and visited bars in the Cass Corridor section of Detroit. And uh, one of his haunts was called the Old Miami Pub, where he had performed live concerts for small local crowds. Love it. So he, he was the sixth child of a Mexican immigrant family. His mother died when he was three. Um, and Wow. Yeah. Raised by his brothers and sisters? Yeah. As you, long as yeah. they can? You got to remember, this was a time when Mexican immigrants were faced with you know, yeah. massive yeah, 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 amounts yeah. of marginalization yeah. and alienation yep. and racism, obviously. Uh, which there, is why he's probably a, a lot of the reason why so many Mexicans are maybe rockheads, metalheads. <laughs> it's <Maybe>. possible. <laughs> it's maybe um, you've heard about the legend of Rodriguez. Well, you know, he, he. This is why he took all these political stances, not just in his music, uh, but later in life. So he originally, this is in 67, he went by the name Rod Riguez, two words. 
And that that his label bestowed that right, name gay. to him. That's pretty fucking gay. Sorry. Yep. Um, his f- first single was "I'll Slip Away," but then he didn't record for three years until he signed with Sussex, which was Clarence Avant's company, okay. an offshoot of Buddha Records. So <laughs> he did prefer his professional name Rodriguez after that. Um, so this is interesting. In 2013, Rodriguez told Rolling Stone magazine that he unsuccessfully lobbied the filmmakers to cut a reference to his unfinished third album. He told them to me it distracted. It almost cheapened the film like it was a promo film. I've written about 30 songs, and that's pretty much what the public has heard. So again, this guy was extremely modest. This guy... <clears throat> you know, makes this talk yeah. about him. He's like, dude, I don't want you to promote my next album. So my next album, he mm. quit music in 76. Mm. And remember our bet about his Detroit house? Yeah. He bought it for 50 bucks. Oh, okay. He well, bought that's... a house in 1976 from a government auction. Okay. Yeah. For $50. Okay. And he still lived there as of 2013. Okay. So I mean, that makes sense. And I, I don't know if I mentioned this before the, the porch, is the cover album from yeah. coming to reality? Yeah, I'm like 99 percent sure. Yeah, so um, no, I saw the I, I I saw it. I'm pretty sure it's the same one. Yeah, in 2013, he did announce that he was in discussions with Steve Rowland, who produced Coming uh, from Reality, and they were in talks to do some work. He mentioned that he'd um, written about 30 new songs. And, wow, um, 30 new songs. Yeah. Wow. Uh, he told me to send him a couple of tapes. So he says, I'm going to do that. I certainly want him to look him up because he's full of ideas. Now, it wasn't just South Africa where he sold these albums. He got airplay in Australia, Botswana, New Zealand, Rhodesia, uh, and of course, South Africa. So all the places they're conquered by. Yeah, by colonialism and, you know, slave traders. Yeah, yeah. so when the, his albums were sold out from Sussex, an Australian record label, which was called Blue Goose Music, they had bought the Australian rights to his recordings. Wow. Blue Goose released two studio albums as well as a compilation at his best uh, that had featured unreleased recordings from 1973's Can't Get Away, All Slip Away, which was a re-recording of his first single in Street Boy. Mm. At his best, that's okay. why I'm assuming his greatest hits, went platinum in South Africa, which at one it was stage... Like Rodriguez at his best? Yeah, okay. which at one stage was the major disc press source of his music for the rest of the world. Um, now, of course, we know that he was re- uh, compared to Bob Dylan. He was also compared to Cat Stevens. Okay. Um, you know who Cat Stevens that's is, That's the right? one that... Um, Ooh, uh, baby, baby, yeah, yeah, but, um, it's a wild world. I remember I um, that one. Ah, Cat Stevens. You're missing it. Cat Stevens wrote a bunch of songs and then he also made great folk music on his own. He's also very famous for going full Islam and then he turned his back on music. <laughs> That's like his Bob, his Bob Dylan Christian face. Correct. But when he did that, he gave up music and he sold all of his guitars. And okay. <laughs> what? You're continue. I just you're like not how- allowed to play guitars, I guess, if you're Muslim. <laughs> so he sells just, all of his shit. <laughs> okay. And then there was a time in the '80s. You're probably too young to remember this. Salman Rushdie um, got stabbed. 
No, I had a fatwa put on him. Correct. He yeah. had a fatwa put on and him. And he recently and got Kat, stabbed. Cat <laughs> Stevens got wrapped up in the controversy and I think was maybe misquoted for supporting, you know, the fatwa uh, against uh, his life, uh, Rushdie's life. But there was a big controversy in the 80s about that. Um, wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. Cat Stevens. Cat Stevens, what about Salman Rushdie's Okay, so when the state, I'm guessing it was the uh, uh, state of Iran. Yeah, no, state of Islam. It wasn't the Ayatollah. It was was Ayatollah Khomeini. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he puts the fatwa out on 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 Rushdie. Rushdie For writing writing something. Yeah, the satanic verses, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So (laughs) he drops the satanic verses, and I guess uh, Cat Stevens got caught up in the controversy and maybe had been misquoted or said he supported the fatwa. But I, I think that that was all <laughs> really? scaled back years later. And huh. I don't know. But there was a time when Cat Stevens was a pariah in huh. the United States for That's his funny. getting involved in that whole situation. So here's... Peace train. Peace train. Don't on know. a peace train. Dun, 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 dun. Don't know it's that a, one. That's a kid. It's fucking it's okay. 1971, doggy. Well, here's what I found. Um, he was uh, uh, supported by anti-apartheid activist uh, Steve Biko, and he was successful in Australia. Wait, Rodriguez was? Yes, yeah. that he had performed two concert tours in 79 and 81. The film doesn't really mention that. So he, he'd performed there in 79 and 81. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Yep. Whoa, all right. So, Come on. See, yeah. now when you watch that QAnon documentary, <laughs> it doesn't make, it's not connecting all the dots, is it? I think. Maybe I missed it in the documentary, although I don't miss much. No, with man. My I mean, come on. You got a fucking forty pages of transcripts here, yeah. doggy. Yeah, I, I don't. Come on. I don't. I think they, they cut that out. They cut it out because it's not fitting the, the narrative. Yeah, yeah. B. Well, in '91, uh, both of his albums were released on CD in South Africa for the first time. Well, despite his success, like officially, correct, because it was the part fucking time. the tide, <laughs> the fucking Moses. <laughs> Moses so, the seas. Despite his success abroad, um, his fame in South Africa had remained, of course, unknown until 97 when Ava, his daughter, came across the website dedicated to them. She contacted the website after learning about his fame. Now, see, this is a different story. Now, this is a wiki reference, oh, so I don't know how accurate it is. So eventually find out. Well, that this is not the real Rodriguez no, it, like it, 10 years later. Remember when you were talking about the documentary you saw of Rodriguez? That's called Dead Men Don't Tour. Rodriguez no, in South that, right? Africa. Oh, I saw I saw the video of it. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. The recording of the of the South African yeah. performance. By the way, keep doing research in between shows. It helps me out. It's fun. It is I mean, fun, isn't if it? If the documentary is fun, buddy, I feel like I'm an investigator every week, and it keeps 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 a, you know keeps me challenged. Do you? Going. I do. So I'm getting I'm I'm at my wits end right here, guys. Here. He also performed in Sweden before returning to South Africa in 2001 and 2005. Okay, now that's already after, right? Now, it, our our focal part right now is 98. Correct, in my opinion. Well, in 1998, Rodriguez' signature song "Sugarman" was covered by the South African rock band Just Ginger. I watched this as well. Okay, and the Scottish singer songwriter Paulo Nutini. I think I just listened to it. I think they just had a. Uh, I'm telling when I say I went on a deep yeah, dive on. About time you did something around here. 
Okay. okay. <laughs> in 2002. Right. Five, four, three, two. Let's go. Um, in 2002, um, it, uh, that Paolo Nutuni cut, uh, a disc jockey by the name of David Holmes uh, used it on a mix album. Called yeah, Come yeah, and yeah. Get It. So they're, they're, they're putting together all the. Dude, gets, uh, they're putting together every single dollar that he's owed right Nas, now. Nas sampled it. <laughs> sampled it. Yeah, yeah. I, in I your saw this. demand. I saw this. I saw this. Okay. That's, see, that's the sleazy part of it. Yeah. Right now. Well, I hope he paid for those samples. No, no, no. Look, the artist, like, I feel, don't, come on. Yeah, yeah. You know, that he's been wronged. I'm not, I want him to get every dollar he's deserved. But I'm just saying that, like, yeah, like that's uh, when I when you just told me right now that he went back to South Africa in '79. That fucking kind really kind of pissed of me story. off right now. It's yeah. a big part of the story. Kind of pissed me off. Well, a that's bit. why I'm here. Okay, yeah. how many people did he perform perform for in '79? Three people. Oh. I'm just kidding. I have no, no idea. Oh uh, well, we need to find that. No, now. we we'll we'll do that. That'll be a discussion in the Discord forum. Okay. 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 So in 2007 and 2010, he'd also returned to Australia. Um, he had sold out shows through Australia. His song Sugar Man was in the film Candy in 2006, which was the Heath, Heath Ledger film. I've never Are you heard of it. fucking joking? And like, he got paid for it. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He got paid. Yeah, yeah. Not. Yeah. So no, Rodriguez got paid for it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. Um, and then there was a singer songwriter called Rurari Joseph that covered Rodriguez's song Rich Folks Hoax for his third studio album. Now, get this, dude. You know who's a big fan? Um, fellow South African Dave Matthews. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Those fans, you cannot I, kill. I them. had no idea he was South African. Those, Dave Matthews. Yeah, apparently. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, in 2014, the French deep house and electro I mean, music be. producer, the Avenger. Oh, you know what? No, no, hold on. Yeah, <laughs> I saw this. He performed that hate street dialogue. No, no, he performed Sugar Man also. Who, Dave? Dave yeah. does a version of Sugar Man live. I'm the king of the couch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not a fan. I mean, uh, neither am I. I just don't understand fine. it. Be, I mean, you know what? I you know what's funny about him? Tell me. It, you, whenever like a comedian says he's a comics comic, yeah, a lot of I feel like musicians say that about yeah. Dave Matthews. Uh, so okay. it's hard to like. All right. Well, what you need to know about the film? It won every award you can win, including uh, best documentary film at the 85th academy awards so the, the, oh he won an academy award the filmmaker did oh which featured rodriguez so um in okay. uh did, did he win an academy award for music no no, the documentary? no, okay. no 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 but the, the soundtrack <laughs> that sucks the soundtrack they made sure um, to make sure everybody knows that he was getting royalties. So they sure, printed sure, sure. that on the album and said That's Rodriguez right. receives royalties yeah. from the sale of this It's release. actually called I Receive Royalties. Uh, this is very interesting. Okay. They wanted Rodriguez to go to the Oscars, and he refused to show. He didn't want to overshadow the filmmaker's achievement. Wow. Upon accepting his award... Um, Chin remarked on such generosity. That must have been wait, one wait. of the producers. It's not the... Okay. Not the guy from okay. The Fighter and the Kid. <laughs> no, that's not who I thought. All right, go on, go on. He says, that just about says everything about Flynn. the man and his story that you want to know, said director Malik Benjolol. And he said, thanks to one of the greatest singers ever, Rodriguez. 
Well, after he did this, he got to go on David Letterman. He performed uh, on... Yeah, uh, I saw some of that. Yeah, he performed Crucify, and he performed... Or, excuse me, Crucify Your Mind. He also performed uh, Can't Get Away on Tonight Show. And then, of course, there was that piece I saw in 60 Minutes. Yeah. Um, in addition, he did more touring um, in New Zealand, and he did the Beacon Theater in New York, um, Sasquatch Music Festival, The Gorge, Glastonbury, the Gorge, Montreal Glenn. Jazz. Yeah. Now, the Beacon. The film Searching for Sugar Man strongly implied that Rodriguez had been cheated out of royalties from Clarence Avant. Rodriguez first expressed indifference to these, quote, symbols of success, unquote. But then he later filed a lawsuit in 2013. And in 20, uh, 2022, the year before uh, Rodriguez or Clarence's death, the lawsuit was reported to have been settled with no amount disclosed. Hmm. So that's kind of interesting. So okay. hopefully his estate got some money and shit he got in 2022. That means he had a year to live with, you know, some of that money. Um, yeah, yeah. Seegerman published a book. See somebody good who have, I mean, I'm sure he fucking, you know, well, crazy. Dude. If you want to find, if you want to do more reading on this, you can read uh, Seegerman's book, uh, sugar man, the life, death and resurg- uh, resurrection of uh, Sisto Rodriguez. Uh, Business Day reviewed the book and called it probably one of the most unusual rock and roll stories out there. Um, Rodriguez had also toured the U.S. and Canada as recently as 2018. Yeah, that's when I saw the videos of him. Uh-huh. Sugar man. I want, I want to talk a little bit about a Clarence. Well, Clarence, Yeah, uh, he was a very uh, celebrated human. Okay. He got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Sure. Okay. Um, if you're curious and you want to go piss on it, it's 6363 Hollywood Boulevard. I would never do that. And like Clarence is the red herring. He's not the guy who he profited from Rodriguez. Sure. And he's the cop that does direct evidence though. He's the cop that, that does the thing that the chief of police says to do. And like, and like a purist would, which is that guy. But me as a human uh-huh. that has lived in the city for my whole life. Yeah, it's Hollywood. And seen. <laughs> and look, it's hard for a black man to make it in the industry and anywhere. All right. Well, let me and give like you some information. In the information. 70s, especially. He was also um, uh, inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame oh, in 2021. So for sure, he made a lot of people rich. Dude. Uh-huh. Like, you better get Okay. <laughs> President Barack Obama. Of course. Uh, spoke about Avant's impact in a video package. Barack baby drone so did Obama. So Ka- Kamala Harris. Well, of course she did. So right after she sucked Arsenio Hall. Listen dick. to this. They died. Clarence Avant. Yeah. Died four days apart from Rodriguez at the age wow, of Wow. That's because. Okay. Hold on. Mm-hmm. I want to know before or after. He died after. Fuck! That means he's guilty, dude. Okay, but listen to this. That means he's guilty. Listen to this. His wife, Jackie Alberta Gray, she was murdered in 2021 in her home at the age of 81 during a home invasion. Fuck. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Now, could he closing could, out secrets? Could this, could the, any of this been a retaliation? This is a good conspiracy now to get into. Well, I just find the timing very, very weird. Yeah. Um, 
you know. Or somebody could have known there was no man in the house. But the conspiracy? According to this, it was a home invasion in Beverly Hills, and she was 81 at the time, but she was shot and killed. Yeah. Um, So these are some things to think about. We're going to talk a little bit more about Craig. Um, Craig Bartholomew, who, as you know, was instrumental in tracking Rodriguez down. I found a piece he wrote on the um, the website for Rodriguez. Uh, I don't want to read the whole thing, but I have a couple of clips that I wanted to mention that that really uh, just kind of bounced off my brain when we were talking about apartheid and just just how big it was. Um, Climb up on my music, exclaimed Rodriguez. This is um, Bartholomew's prose from his article. Uh, And my songs will set you free. When Cold Fact was released in South Africa in 72, no one was free. Not the masses, then ruled by the minority, and not the minority then, and probably still ruled by mass inhibition. The country had not yet received television. A two-year military service became mandatory and censorship ensured that not a nipple was in sight. So previously I'd said, you know, maybe the white people had televisions. He's claiming there was no television in 72 in South Africa. Hmm. So these people were literally just hamstrung and shut out from the outside world. He continues and says, it came as no surprise that when Cold Fact hit the record racks, it became a hit simply because it contained a phrase which would muddy the country's sexually chaste waters and serve as a mantra to the youth. And of course, he's referencing, I wonder, and the first line is, I wonder how many times you've had sex. Might be the second line. In the early 70s, Hillbrow led the way as a fashionable cosmopolitan haunt. Words like Zoll, Daga, and Buttons made their way into everyday language. So did the need to smoke some. So you hear the Silver Magic Ships, yeah. The jumpers. Had you ever heard of Zoll Dagger? I've heard of buttons, but no. I've never heard of Zoll or Dagger. Zoll drugs? Zoll yeah. drug names? Yeah. I've never heard of them. Th- hey, thankfully they don't use the word nugs because, you know, they're classy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's another quote that he, in his uh, article, he says, It started out with butterflies on a velvet afternoon. He's quoting Rodriguez. Sounds the words um, to It started out so nice, demanding the question, poet or prophet? With lyrics like the night puts its laughter away, it would be hard to view Rodriguez as being anything less than a poet. His prose-like lyrics function well without music and are cutting and frank. In both albums, barely a taboo of the day is left untouched. Not even religion walks away unscathed. Yet at times, he becomes the prophet, seemingly uh, prophesizing on a morbid and dark future with lines like, in the third millennium, the crowded madness came, crooked shadows roamed through the night, the wizards overplayed their hand, and elsewhere, in spine-chilling fashion, all things in common suddenly grew strange, not unlike the book of Revelations. Thoughts, Dave? Wow, I mean, it's uh, indicative of literally what we're living through right now. Right? <laughs> he was just a li- yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, crazy, crazy, stuff. crazy stuff. One last article. This is from uh, via AP News regarding the South Afri- uh, African royalties. This is from Michelle Fowl and Jeff Karab. <laughs> Do they still have royalty? Well, songs composed say. half a century ago that some equate to inner city poetry still are relevant today. Like his poke at the Pope stance on birth control and his plaints about corrupt politicians and bored housewives. 
I also found in this article that he played Carnegie Hall in London's Royal Albert Hall. I mean, that's the that's it. If you get to that, you won. You you achieved your success. Yeah. So I love that he did get there. Um, more so, nice. even after the extent of his fame was brought home, this is from the article, to him when he first toured South Africa to sold-out concerts 15 years ago, Rodriguez has said that he has no interest in pursuing the money. Holding true to his lyrics, and you can keep your symbols of success, then I'll pursue my own happiness. Now, he is not so sure. So he kind of backpedaled on this, and he says, people were profiting off his music doesn't sit well with him. Well, yeah, I'm sure that part of it. And he planned to seek resolution for the lost royalties. But he was quoted as saying, I think omission is a sin. Without evidence is unethical. To, withholding evidence is unethical to say the least. But I'll resolve that. Um, these were licensed releases, not just bootlegs. It's in the process, but I have to get a position to see what jurisdiction I approach. I'm in, I'm ignorant. How do you do this? Yeah. Now, lastly, on Avant, then he ended up suing them in 2013. Correct. Or 2020. Why well, he sued so, in 2023, so, but didn't get paid till 2022. Oh, oh, 2013, but didn't get paid until 2022. Yes, I'm ten guessing. years. Wow. I'm I'm guessing that's okay, accurate. Okay, okay. So, in this article, it says the 81 year old oh, Avant. Okay who could not be reached for comment, still owns the rights to the music and is now being paid for them by Light in the Attic Records, which gives a new life to old recordings, according to Seegerman. Nice. Well, that's basically saying there's no doubt about it. Once this album was re-released by Light in the Attic Records, he was paid. He yeah, said yeah, yeah. the 2008 and 2009 releases were the first time Rodriguez was paid royalties. Okay, but that's 10 years after he returned <coughs> back to... The point is... <coughs> still still the ni the 79 <coughs> shit kind of... Okay, here's, here's, here's the, the thing. Hold on, I got to say this. The sure. point is this. The documentary was in 2012. Yeah. Avant sits there and says, I, I don't know who Rodriguez is. Why are you bothering me with these questions? I have no idea. When it's a, a known fact oh. that he was paid... By well, by light in the attic records for Rodriguez. Okay, you know recordings. Okay, I mean whatever. So he like, was fucking lying. Sure. Yeah. Okay. That. Okay. That's fucked. I mean, sure. That's all fucked up. Yeah. That. That's. But the. the that doesn't. The seventy nine and him returning back to South Africa. It's, it's left out of the film, probably so, for narrative purposes. That's so fucking. That's why we're that's here. That's so sketchy. That's why we're I don't here. like that. Well, Seagram. I'm kind of pissed. Like, maybe maybe now you shouldn't watch it. I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> I already told you that, but like, I still like the song at least. Well, Seegerman's quoted in this article saying Rodriguez created a whole new consciousness about robbing an artist. People uh, coming into his Malibu vinyl shop and sending him emails saying, I want to buy it, not download it for free, but please, I want to make sure he's going to get the money. Do you think Rodriguez went to South Africa in 79 and like, didn't even remember. He just was too <laughs> just fucked up. Blacked out and because like, of the jumpers. His, needed his daughter to be like, <laughs> Yeah, he went back to Savage. Did he even did he, did he even know that he went back in seventy nine? It's possible. I mean, he definitely wasn't performing to audiences of that size back then. Sure. So, um, the irony is this: his music came into South I Africa. I wonder if it was like a private gig, like at somebody's house. Yeah. For like the <laughs> the apartheid yeah. people, as opposed to the people rising yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, all right. We got to find out now. All right, maybe we can. 
let me get to this. The irony is this. His music came into South Africa through bootlegging, but it's South Africa that gave him the voice to say this is wrong. And people get that. They understand now. Uh, according to Seegerman, 200,000 copies of both albums have sold in the last year or so. Now, last piece, I lied. I have one more thing because there's some more interesting stuff here. I found this on a, a, a source called scoop.upworthy. There's not a lot on him, by the way. Poop scoop. Here's the thing. There's not a lot on Rodriguez. No, no. I mean, so, sure, 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 sure. In it's the same conversation with the AP, he said, I felt, this is Rodriguez, I felt I was ready for the world, but the world wasn't ready for me. I feel we all have a mission. We have obligations. Those turns on the journey, different twists, Life is not linear. How about that, dude? And yeah, what a um, poet. I did find his uh, his wife sourced. Her name was Coney. Is saying um, he loved college. He was born to be taught to teach himself. The music was more to bring people together. He would play anywhere, anytime. That's where I noticed him. He was walking down Cass Avenue with a guitar and a black bag. He was a really eccentric guy. Um, and then. This is another piece that I found interesting. In 79, when he'd gotten a call from a guy with an Australian accent asking him to perform in Australia, since he was famous there, so he did. That's when he learned he was also quite popular go. There in we South go. Africa. There we go. However, See? hold on. However, his wife stated apartheid was going on. Frank Sinatra had a full page ad, don't go to South Africa. We didn't. He did, however, tour South Africa after the apartheid ended, and it was insane, according to his wife. So then again, we have another contradictory statement. Wow. So okay, All I right. don't I understand mean, this. You know? I mean, you he, think it was a fake Rodriguez that performed in '79? Dude, I don't know, but it's really driving me nuts. But wow, we gotta get, we gotta dive into this. This is like that. We guy. are diving, in. dude. We no, we gotta dive further into this bullshit now. '79 tour. We gotta get into the documentary, documentary. Okay. Because hold on, this is like that guy. That got that got that won a an, an Academy Award, mm -hmm. not Academy Award. That wins a an Emmy uh -huh. uh, for comedy uh -huh. in like the the weird category. No, 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 no. There's like a guy that wins like best comedy album for like four years in a row. And nobody knows who he is. And nobody knows who yeah. he is, dude. And it's like the same time that like. All these, I can't even remember exactly right now, mm -hmm. but it's like somebody who, you know, it's like the same time, like Eddie Mer, like it's, they're big comics. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, um, there's some an, establishment. Another version. fact, according to, uh, I found he, when he went to Australia in 79 and 81, he was treated like a God and he shared a bill with Megastar's Midnight Oil at one point. Now, if you don't know the oil, you don't know what you're missing. Have you ever heard, heard Midnight Oil? Beds are burning. I got to hear the song. Uh, dude, that, that record that came out in 88, it's okay. a killer. And then Blue Sky Mine, Mining was a couple years later. It's definitely worth checking out. Now, here, here's this is very, very interesting. The director, he went out there for four years in a row to Detroit, and Rodriguez wouldn't meet him, Okay. He says, I think he only changed his mind because he kind of felt sorry for us and how hard we were working and was like, I think I better help these guys out. Well, the money, you keep coming back to the money. How much did he make on those concerts? Well, that five night stand, 
Webb was the most money he'd ever seen in his life, and he made seven hundred thousand dollars. Oh, holy shit! Never moved out of that fifty dollars house. Ninety-eight. No, yeah. because he gave it all away to his friends and family. Yeah, or he laundered the money. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, no, I mean, what are you gonna do with it? Regarding like? the Academy Awards, um, he just gotten back from South Africa, and he told Rolling Stone. Ima- imagine he was like he lived in that shitty house, but he was just getting hookers literally every single night. <laughs> it's just for a fun. brothel, <laughs> and he's actually for making more than Wade at seven hundred thousand dollars a and year. He's just fucking all day all night well he comes back from south africa and his daughter he says my daughter sandra called to tell me that you won the academy award and he said i don't have a have tv service anyway tv service okay bad news incoming ah at rush hour on 13 may 2014 malik Jewel, you know he is the director okay committed suicide oh god by throwing himself a jumper in front of an oncoming train in stockholm so another death dude this is so he this is some crazy shit then maybe maybe i'm telling you rodriguez made a lot of powerful people money and somebody didn't want it exposed dude how do you kill yourself after being a 36 year old documentary filmmaker and winning best oscar for best documentary how do you know somebody one who has killed himself by throwing themselves in front of a train is what i want was there a note no but according to his brother he had suffered from depression uh um and, drug user. and at the time of his death he was working on another film project mm. uh based on lawrence anthony's book the elephant whisperer okay so then that guy killed him i don't know <laughs> there was something in Bendajul's past um when he applied he was swedish when he applied to the swedish film academy for funding a consultant viewed an early version of searching for sugar man and told Bendajolo it was shit and he raged against the established arbiters of cult culture and taste and said what kind of films do they fund so that's it pretty good man i find i find very intriguing dude of the deaths of avant and rodriguez five days apart interesting and more importantly two years prior his wife is in a homicide burglary in her own home yeah so very fascinating the young kid is a little fascinating too which young kid i mean the director Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, ugh. Yeah, I don't know. Well, um, that being said. Get rid of all the evidence. Now that you have this, and yeah. you're saying you want to do a deep dive, don't you think you should start by watching the documentary? No, that's okay. not the interesting part. Okay. The interesting <laughs> part is everything that happened afterwards. That's not in the documentary. Got it, got it. Well, um, that is this week's episode. Uh, once again, we want to thank you for tuning in. We want to thank our sponsor, Broccoli Farms. And of course, it always helps if you can leave us a review. Now, we did not get a review this week, but my mother gave me a review. <laughs> okay. And I'd like to share <laughs> with you. <laughs> it, it's, Let's hear it. Let's hear it. She says, honey, I listened to part one of Rodriguez today. Uh, very entertaining, you and Dave. Seem to be really gelling. I did know about him. Uh, it's been a, it's 60 episodes. <laughs> what the fuck? She says Mayor? we finally got our shit Jesus together. Jesus Christ. His story is Jesus. very interesting. However, his music doesn't flip my skirt, as I mentioned. <laughs> what is 
I get the Dylan comparison. Light <laughs> yeah, yeah. years apart, in my opinion. She's a huge Dylan fan. She's uh-huh. like, don't even compare this freak Yeah, and to she's him. not like a Dylan fan with you when he went through his Christian phase. It's like I top like to Christian bottom. Phase. She says, again, your wide-ranging knowledge base is astounding. And then there's a purple heart that she put in there, too. And I, of course, said, okay, I would strongly encourage you to re-listen to Cold Fact and uh, Coming to Reality. Did she watch, she's watched the documentary, maybe. Yeah, she's already seen it. Oh, okay. Yeah, my, mom, my mom's culture. <laughs> <laughs> okay, dude. You just called my mom a fucking piece of shit foreigner. I think twice, cunt, I twice mean. in this episode I attacked your mom. Jesus Christ. Um, um, Again, Dave, yeah. um, tell them what to do to help us out. Hey, go to Down on the Docks on Twitter. Go to Down on the Docks Pod on Instagram. Follow me, Dave Sarah. Send me money. David dot David slash Sarah on Venmo. Okay. That Venmo will work. No, no, I'm just joking. Don't send me money. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> teaser. Teaser, then, by the uh, way. And then, yes, go uh, on. Teaser. Next week's episode will be episode 61, and we are going to be covering Soaked in Bleach. Which is the uh, Artie Lang documentary? No, it's a documentary okay. about Kurt Cobain and oh, his possible shit. non-suicide and or murder. So oh shit! Yeah, so we're going to start Woo! something new and be introducing you those yeah. ahead of time in case you have questions you want to ask us specifically about the documentaries or if you want oh to follow God. along at home. I am so down for this. Next week we'll Fuck be... Fuck Dave Grohl, by the way, too. We're, hey, hey, hey. Save it for next week. Fuck yes, Okay, dude. that's it. We're out. Uh, thank you, Broccoli Farms. And we will see you next week for episode 61 of Down on the Docks. Down on the Docks.